Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Dear Professor Ford. Dear Professor Ford. Dear Professor Ford. We know how difficult it is to stand up to powerful people. We want to thank you for publicly sharing your story of sexual violence. As members of the Senate determine whether Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh should serve as a Supreme Court Justice. Supreme Court Justice. This context is critical. The behavior you described was wrong. Wrong. Wrong and runs directly counter to upholding the law and promoting promoting justice. justice. He should not be confirmed. He should not be confirmed. He should not be confirmed. We can also also imagine imagine how how shocking shocking and overwhelming it must have been to have your truth shared on a national national stage without without your permission. You should be the decision maker about how your story is shared, if ever. We applaud your courage in coming forward for the public good. And we will be with you as you face the inevitable backlash. The inevitable backlash. The inevitable backlash. You are strong. And you are not alone. You are a survivor. A survivor. A survivor. And millions of us have your back. You and your testimony are credible. You and your testimony are credible. You and your testimony are credible. We believe you. We believe you. We believe you. Signed, your sisters. Signed, your sisters. Signed, your sisters. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 24th of September, year of our Lord, 2018. And we're a couple days late. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I got a head injury mowing the lawn. Split my head open, which I don't remember if I talked about on the last podcast, but I'm having a hard time getting it healed up because I probably should have gone to a doctor and got stitches. And so I rested this weekend to try to get this thing to stop oozing nastiness. I'm hoping it's not gray matter because if it is, this show is going to get stupider than it is. But I'm down here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. It is raining incessantly and we finally have a first taste of fall. I wanted to start the show about that because it sure has felt good. Now it's not cool. Uh, my daughter lives in Minot, and she's already getting lows in the 30s. Uh, I love that. But tobacco is curing, so you can smell the sweet smell of different types of woods curing that tobacco in barns all over the area. And the temperatures are finally getting so it's not volcanic down here. Um, so we're going to change up today's show a little bit. We're not going to do the big, long lead-in like we've been doing. Um, I'm going to do a quick uh, dramatic reading because it's due. Uh, I got something from Tony, and I believe it's Georgia. Um, we served together. It is hilarious. And then we'll go into our fire for effect. Got a brief subject today, which I promised uh, for about five podcasts, the left's tea party, and a really good news and social media nuggets. So let's get into our dramatic reading of an actual comet found by Tony in Georgia on a Food Network recipe 
for freaking ribs. And as we say all the time on the show, liberals ruin everything. Comments from a baby back rib recipe posted on Food Network. Insanity. By Tony and Georgia. Based on the number of shares, it is clear that people love the idea of buying, highly seasoning, cooking, and eating the flesh and secretions, honey in this instance, of other species of animals. It is striking that a recipe highlighting the words baby and back and ribs can't even stay in character for that, does not raise an internal personal alarm of some sort. We have been so indoctrinated by animal agriculture and industries which promote for profit the consumption of the flesh and secretions of animals that eating an animal of any age is no big deal. Pigs are slaughtered when they reach a market weight of 615 pounds, 650 pounds, and are more at our mere adolescents and suckling pigs between two and six weeks old. We see the 65 billion farmed animals slaughtered worldwide annually as commodities. They are genetically manipulated, bred, confined, abused, and killed for the sake of palate pleasure and outdated traditions. I have to say that line again. Palate pleasure and outdated traditions. Cutting-edge doctors such as Caldwell Assessilin, Neil Barnett, and John McDougall are conducting studies and running programs which show unequivocally that eating other species of animals does not do a human body good, even though humans have done it since the dawn of time. Additionally, the environment is being negatively and perhaps irreversibly impacted by farmed animal agriculture. Oceans are dying as we speak to, in large part, to fishing and agricultural runoff. Many scientists are predicting that the oceans may be dead by the year 2048. If the oceans die, we die. Please consider and adopt veganism for the sake of the exploited for the planet and by extension for humans and seen sweet lord what is wrong with people you know my my comment on his comment this was on facebook was i don't go to vegan places and troll them about tofu i don't do that so i don't understand why these people, I mean, seriously, secretions. Now it's bad to eat secretions? And palate pleasure. Who the fuck says that? Who says palate pleasure? I've heard of other pleasures, usually sexually referenced, but not palate pleasure and outdated traditions. Well, since the first caveman formed a crude little spear thing and stuck it to a stick and stabbed a fucking woolly mammoth. We've been eating meat, you fucking wahoos. 
and these doctors you speak of, uh, okay, I understand, excessive protein and fats, you end up looking like me, a sloth, got it, it is bad for the human body, but we need protein, and you're not going to get enough out of beans, and if you do, nobody's going to like you, because your ass is going to be rank, so I had to start with that, I thought it was funny as shit. Let's go to Fire Effect, and as you know, it's all Kavanaugh all the time. What we're seeing here is the president uh, seems to be in front of cars. He's then handing meals to people. I assume uh, that someone has vetted this. One has to assume these are not random cars coming up to the president who are, and then people are getting food. They're, this, is, this is somehow staged. Well, I wouldn't be so certain about that. Now, word of mouth could have spread, but there was a tight hold on where the president's movements would be. This is what, in Secret Service talk, they say is an OTR, an off-the-record. So it isn't on any official log. All these people that are there visiting with the president, they haven't been frisked. They haven't gone through the intense security that you normally go through to get anywhere close to the president. We certainly hadn't picked anything up that there was a any sort of indication that the president was going to be going to this location and delivering meals because, in part, Ali, we would tried to been there and been there live. I'd like to think at a moment like this, it's not about politics. I mean, those are people who are probably very happy to have a meal. Uh, I, I, I have no doubt about that. I, I, just in all of our reporting Thanks, and being around the president, it is not typical that uh, random unscreened people can drive their cars up next to the president like that uh, and, and, and do that. So th- 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 I'm not suggesting that they called a rally. We've seen President Obama at soup kitchens and things like that. Yeah, I think folks get checked. Maybe they do. I'm, I'm glad those people are getting lunch right now. Yeah, you can tell I got a hand injury because I fucked that all up. So let's get this right. I didn't speak about the intro. The intro was supposed to be the FFE bumper. And this soundbite, which was Veshi lying on TV that it was a staged event during the hurricane because I wanted to talk about that and I just found the soundbite. That's a lie. It wasn't staged. It was impromptu, and the president was handing out meals. What's wrong with that? You guys call him a fucking evil man, and he does something nice, and you still criticize. That says more about you than him, and that was supposed to be our intro. But our intro was supposed to be here, so let's get on track. That is, once again, our celebrities, and I just did air quotes, literally doing another video. It seems like they just can't get enough FaceTime. And they did another video that this accuser of Kavanaugh is now the Statue of Liberty, Lady of Liberty. She must be believed bullshit. But as we'll see, it wasn't just her. Now we have a bunch of people coming out. And this morning, a bunch of people that hate Trump 
now say Kavanaugh was waving his willy at everybody during college. And they scrounged up somebody else who's a liberal activist, like these wahoos, as we'll learn. And they're saying he did something. Nothing's right, nothing's bad. It's just stall. Because as we'll see, the jig is up. You will not say anything about these women, because the media won't let them. This is not about truth. This is about stalling, as we'll see with the congressman who literally says that, well, we can leave it vacant. Couldn't do it with Garland, but you can do it now because we just want to get to the midterms. We want to own everything, and then we're going to just put up libs. Not how it works. Everybody knows that. But that's what Democrats are so audacious. They believe they can do that. So the media, as you would guess, and as we've shown for, what, three, four podcasts, they're not letting up. This is HuffPo politics. Two professors gave advice to young women as she sought a clerkship. She was told to avoid Judge Alex Kaczynski, and she was advised to address outgoing for Kavanaugh. That's their tweet. Travis Linker was clerk for Kavanaugh in 2007 and 8. said the idea that Kavanaugh had a certain look in mind for female clerks is absurd. There's only one look that is required for Judge Kavanaugh chamber for men and women, he said, and that is that a suit is required every day. It's a formal chamber in a formal courthouse. Giving law students advice on what to wear to interview isn't terribly odd, but the particular warning about Kavanaugh is unusual, said Viva Chen, a senior columnist and American lawyer magazine who writes about gender in the legal profession. Typically, the advice would be more general, like wear a nice suit. It sounds sexist, Chen said. If you're going into that kind of detail, it sounds like a judge is a fetish, frankly, and that the law professors are feeding that fetish which is a gigantic stretch, and Chen is a liberal activist. But that's what they ran with. There's nothing there. You read the article, there's nothing there, but we don't care if there's anything there. There is not needed. There went away a long time ago. This is just the usual borking of any conservative SCOTUS because they want to control the country, and they can't because they don't have ideas. They have emotion. And their emotion is everybody's a Nazi except for us. Doesn't get you a lot of votes at the, at the fucking voting booth. But they want to control, and now they're just freaking the fuck out because SCOTUS is going to go 5-4 conservative. Even though we said on the show it should be just goddamn nine judges that aren't partisan. But that's not what our system's turned into now. And they're scared to death. Other stuff. Throughout the confirmation process for Kavanaugh, the media has resorted to some pretty desperate and disgusting attempts to paint SCOTUS nominee as a depraved sexual predator. But this may be the most desperate and disgusting yet. The row of young girls' leg bare in their private school search look different now. In the ensuing scramble, Kavanaugh confirmation votes was postponed, and he and Ford were invited to testify before the committee on September 24th. That's an actual article. Gerald Byer, this makes me want to vomit. Ford's charge shattered Kavanaugh's carefully crafted tableau. The row of young girls' legs bare in their private school skirts looks different now. That's from Tom, or Time, excuse me. And Molly-esque should be ashamed. But that's what she ran with. But what do you expect from these reporters? For a total different subject, quick time out... Philip Rucker, WAPO. This is his tweet this week. During Brett Kavanaugh's time as an undergrad at Yale, his fraternity, DKE, DKE, marched across campus waving a flag woven from women's underwear. 
according to this Yale Daily News. Philip Rucker goes with the next one. In case it isn't clear in my tweet, Kavanaugh is not in the flag-waving photo, as explained the story, which is about the culture of his frat. Guilty by association. We're going to come up with whatever. We're going to come up with whatever. He, he this week even did a tweet, Philip Rucker, that said, I got to sit next to fucking Ruth Bader Ginsburg on a flight, and it was awesome. That's what we're up against. Every media outlet is a liberal sycophant. So what do you expect? They don't have real stuff. We make shit up. It's like what our country is now. It's no longer about real racism. It's about words that we can call racist just to shut you the fuck up and we can win the argument. Christopher C. Cuomo. Who gets the benefit of the doubt in Kavanaugh for presumption of innocence for him in court? What about here? Do you think Ford should be presumed to be telling the truth by coming forward? His poll. Even liberals, because mostly liberals watch this poll. Him, 58%. Her, 26 Both, 16 When he didn't get the results he was looking for, just Twitter, not science, but this tells us something of what we value and how we think, no? Which is, you're all wrong. All women must be believed. Even if they're partisan hacks just making some shit up. Jeremy Stephan Dunleavy, new HuffPo GUGUB poll, asked about Dr. Ford's allegation against Judge Kavanaugh. Credible? Not credible. Haven't heard enough yet. Not sure. Overall, 26 credible. 28 not credible. 32 haven't heard enough. 14 not sure. GOP 40, 60, 29, 8. Democrats, 53% say she's totally credible because we just want to run everything. 8, not credible. 29, not enough. 10, independents, 19, credible. 25 and 35 say they haven't heard enough. Men, 28% say credible. And the shocking amount of, oh my God, women aren't what we think they are. Only 25% of women on this poll believe that the woman's credible. That a woman just should be believed because she makes a fucking accusation. Hmm. ABC News. Christine Blasey Ford made the choice to reveal her identity knowing that it would upend her life. Now she needs to tell her story to the Senate, writes ABC's Kookie Roberts. And I call her Kookie because she's Kookie. But here's the interesting thing. The Democrats' insistence that Kavanaugh nomination is being railroaded sounds like politics as usual, rather than concern for a wronged woman. Perhaps they hope that the longer they string this out, the more likely it will be for the president to restrain his Twitter finger and that he will say something to outrage women voters. But so far, they in the White House have, by and large, played it smart. They've repeatedly stated that Ford be respected and heard. They have focused their fire on Democrats, not her. And as the week has progressed and no other woman or fellow high school partygoers come forward, they renewed their support for Kavanaugh, who has unblinkingly denied the allegation. Somebody outright says, when you're losing Kooky Roberts, what does that say? It's politics as usual. It's what Democrats do. They demand you unequivocally confirm anybody they nominate, because God, well, they don't believe in God, a higher being... I don't know what their higher being is. Obama has handed it down. And they are unreproachable. But conservatives, we go into this 
fucking pig trowel of dumb shit. Here is another thing about Christy Blasey Ford's lawyers that pretty much sums up what I've been saying since it started, what I thought the moment I heard it. Manu Raju from CNN, folks. Christine Blasey Ford's attorneys were listed as headliners at a D.C. fundraiser at their firm from Tammy Baldwin, slated for October 1st. Invite was emailed this morning. Campaign and Cats now say the event has been canceled after I reached out. They canceled doing it. It's a $1,000 a plate, dim fundraiser. And these lawyers finally caught, oh, wait a minute, we can't do this. This doesn't look right. We're lawyers. This Blazy Ford person, just a normal person, not a partisan. Hmm. Benny asked, who's paying for this? Dozens of leftist protesters get lunch catered for them while staging a sit-in in Grassley's office, turning the senator's office into an all-you-can-eat buffet line. By the way, Grassley staff tell me the senator's not even in town now. And that leads us to our next, the unapproachable left with just tolerance for all, are protesting everything. They were in his office. He fed them. There's handmaids in offices. Lone handmaids standing in doors, staring. These fucking people. It's just politics. It's not real. None, nothing they can dig up, I will actually believe. This guy isn't a sexist pig. They just don't want him elected because they want a Democrat. But that's not how it works. Their own Messiah stated elections have consequences. This is a consequence of you nominating Hillary Clinton. You don't get to pick the Supreme Court justice. They don't get to be uber-lib activists. It's not how it works, but you can't hear that in the media. So the FBI could be a cleansing agent here. Can they? Absolutely. This idea, well, it's not a criminal case. They don't have jurisdiction. You'd have to go back to the state where it happened. Not true. Never true. Judicial nominees get a background check from the FBI as part of the practice. Jay Sekulow argues that's not in the Constitution. True. But as a part of practice, the political reality, they get asked every time. And there's precedent. President Bush with Anita Hill, he asked for the FBI to come in, reopen the background check, and do it. President Trump had said he wanted a process, but now he's saying this. I don't think the FBI really should be involved because they don't want to be involved. If they wanted to be, I would certainly uh, do that. But as you know, they say this is not really their thing. None of that is true, okay? We've heard nothing from the FBI saying they they don't want to do this. It's not their business to say they don't want to do it. He is the boss. He is the executive. He tells them what to take a look at, for better or worse, in context. He can do this. President Bush did it. But Robert Costa is also reporting that privately, Republicans are crossing all their fingers and toes, saying, please don't show up. Please don't show up. Brett Kavanaugh is a father. He does have young daughters. He does have a stellar reputation. So does it not surprise you that... If he were to get confirmed, wouldn't he not want to have this cloud over him? People say he's got an unblemished record. This is a big old blemish either way, yet he's remaining silent and not calling for an investigation. In fact, the guy who's in the room with him, Mark Judge, has said, nope, it didn't happen, but I don't want to testify. Right. He's a good guy, Corey. And by the way, the easiest thing, 
Corey, you're fired. But I can't destroy a man. I destroy him. He's got a beautiful wife and children. And I'm not going to destroy a man for that. It's very sad because he's a very good person. I've always found him to be just a very, very good person. And by the way, a very, very talented person. Look what he's done. So I feel very badly. He totally denies it. He says it didn't happen. And, you know, you have to listen to him also. We certainly wish him well. It's a uh, obviously tough time for him. He did a very good job when he was in the White House. Uh, and we hope he has a wonderful career and hopefully he will have a great career ahead of him. That was just a small look right there at President Trump's history of defending his aides and allies. And now he seems to be continuing his pattern of rushing to the defense of men while casting doubt on allegations made by women with his Supreme Court pick, pick Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh faces a decades-old allegation of what the accuser's attorney is calling attempted rape. He's a man of great intellect, as I've been telling you, and he has an unblemished record. This is a very tough thing for him and his family. He is such an outstanding man. Very hard for me to imagine that anything... We have some more, even worse, sound bites on this in our hypocrisy section, because they've just convicted him. Whether he's done anything or not, he's convicted. He should not be a nominee, because we want a liberal. There's some media stuff that's just horrible. But we have a great example of th it doesn't work this way. Thursday afternoon, Wolf Blitzer dedicated a segment with host Wolf Blitzer and Supreme Court analyst Joan Besupic, wondering why the current eight Supreme Court justices have remained silent, not opined on the three-decade-old sexual misconduct. Perhaps more insane than anything, Besupic and Blitzer said that the CNN chyrine that fits for a straitjacket, supreme turmoil, how justices feel about the partisan confirmation battles. They're not supposed to say anything. They're not. They're just not supposed to be saying anything. They're Supreme Court justices. It's not how this works. Only Ruth Bader Ginsburg runs her cock trap about politics because she isn't a justice. She's an activist. But to show the craziness, and sorry for me sucking on a smoothie while I'm doing this, it's early. Here's some examples about how they really do not care about women accusation when it's an ally. While Democrats howl for answers from Brett Kavanaugh and an opaque charge, they aren't asking the same of DNC co-chair Keith Ellison. Last month, his former girlfriend, Karen Monahan alleged that Ellison sent her threatening text messages and once screamed obscenities at her as he dragged her off a bed by her feet. No calls for his resignation, and the investigation the DNC said it was launching, well, pretty much gone silent. Joining us now with reaction, Monica Crowley from the Center for Policy Research, and Anthony Tall is an attorney and a Democratic strategist. Uh, let's go to you first, Monica. It's wild to go back and, and think about what was said back in 98 and so forth. But tonight, uh, Hillary Clinton was asked about, you know, due process uh, regarding sexual assault allegations by Rachel Maddow. Let's watch. Have we learned anything over the years about due process, not just for the accusers, but also for the accused? Well, I think that you have to take each of these situations, you know, sort of on their own uh, merits. 
Well, Monica. that's rich coming from Mrs. Clinton, whose own husband uh, was alleged to have raped Juanita Broderick, my good friend, and sexually assaulted any number of women. And she not only stood by her man, but she also led the charge to discredit, smear, and threaten those women who dared to come forward 20-odd uh, years ago to accuse her or her husband. Look, Laura, this is the rot of hypocrisy. The Democratic Party of today uh, is now back to being the party of Bill Clinton, full of hypocrites on this matter. We just saw the case of Keith, Keith Ellison. And, uh, you know, in that case, we've got police report, we've got an alleged video, and yet little to no media coverage. So what we now see is that the Democratic Party is willing to shield potential women abusers in the name of politics, ideology, and promotion. I mean, this is real stuff, folks. This isn't he is said to have done something or somebody said he did something. Allison's accuser releases medical records documenting alleged abuse reveals how Democrats have treated her. Karen Monahan, the woman who claimed that Democratic Representative Keith Ellison abused her while the two we're in page freeze come on you piece of shit what's going on uh, there we go a relationship released that what appears to be medical records on wednesday that shows she told her physician in 2017 that ellison had physically and emotionally abused her and that she was afraid to speak up because she feared retribution she stated that she was in a very stressful environment for years emotional and physical abuse by a partner with whom she was now separated she identified the individual she was involved with as congressman ellison and she worried about the retribution if she identified him publicly when she was on twitter when i post this it gets deleted every time and it's a picture of the medical report the free bacon notes that monahan claimed that ellison abused her as recently as 2016 and that she agreed to sit down with investigators to discuss ellison abuse but he declined a meeting with her karen monahan i told the investigator i'd be happy to talk with keith ellison with them in the room they asked keith if he'd be willing and he declined in a separate tweet this week monahan slammed the democratic party for its hypocrisy after it has encouraged the nation to believe judge brett kavanaugh's accuser but has refused to take her allegations seriously rose Karen Monahan, Democrats say believe woman. Do they really believe you? No, they don't. I've been smeared, threatened, isolated from my own party. I provided medical records from 2017, stating on two different doctor visits. I told them about the abuse and who did it. My therapist released records stating I've been dealing and healing with the abuse. I didn't break my silence for validation or any outcome. I did it for my own internal freedom and to stand with other survivors. I have nothing to prove to anyone. I simply shared my story. People can believe it or not. I don't need anyone to affirm my humanity. I affirm it. Media doesn't even color cover it. Nor do they cover this. Booker, Corey, type one each, called out for groping drunk female while he was a teenager. In an article written by Senator Cory Booker in 1992 while he attended Stanford University, has reemerged as he calls for delaying the confirmation vote for Brett Kavanaugh after a woman had made sexual misconduct allegations against him from over 35 years ago. Fox News reports that Booker, who urged the Senate Judiciary Committee to first let the FBI conduct an investigation, which they did and they found nothing in it. Booker's article titled, So Much for Stealing Second, appeared in the Stanford Daily on Wednesday, February 19, 1992. New Year's Eve, 1984, I'll never forget, I was 15 and a ball dropped. I leaned over to hug a friend and she met me instead with an overwhelming kiss. 
As we fumbled upon a bed, I remember debating my next move as if it were a chess game. With the top gun slung and ringing in my ear, I slowly reached for her breast. After having my hands pushed away once, I reached my mark. Our groping ended soon, and while no relationship ensued, friendship did. You see, the next week at school, she told me that she was drunk that night and didn't really know what she was doing. Fox News added that Booker came back to the topic a few months later in 92, penning another article that mentioned the controversial column, which she said was about date rape and admitted that his actions were odd with his beliefs. But my second column, as I raised my noble pen to address the issue of date rape, I realized that a person holding it wasn't so noble after all. So he admits he did it. And instantly, in runs Chris Saliza. CNN political analyst Chris Saliza took a typical liberal stand for Cory Booker on Friday. He criticized Dale Caller for running a story headline, Booker facing criticism for Kavanaugh reaction after admitting to groping a friend in high school. You can't compare Kavanaugh controversy with Cory Booker feminist storytelling in a Stanford Daily column about how grabbing a girl's breast without her consent, he insisted on CNN.com. And yes, it's true. There are some similarities between episodes. But Booker and Kavanaugh were teenagers in the incident, submitted to alleged respectively. Happened decades Decades before they entered public life in any meaningful way. So why is Kavanaugh being raked over the coals and watching his nomination to Supreme Court be jeopardized while Booker just gets a pass? For a lot of reasons. All of which explain why this comparison is overly facile and just doesn't hold up. And he goes on to try to find a way to defend that Booker can do what they want because he's a lib but any accusation against a conservative is the Ten Commandments handed down by Moses, and you will believe it. It's politics, my friends. Next article. Classy. Elizabeth Warren fundraises off Kavanaugh allegations. Instant. Every one of them done it. Booker's done it. Last podcast. Here's Warren's one. Donald Trump is still obsessed with the idea that he can shut me up. You really should know better by now. You ran about me another day, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. I can handle a bully. But there's really creepy part in the same breath. He mocked the entire Me Too movement. He mocked women who were bravely coming forward and saying that they've been harassed and abused by guys just like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is just a ser- trying to scare me. He's trying to bully all women and make us all shut up. He still doesn't think guys like him should be held accountable. You know what, Donald? You don't scare us. Women fight back. Women vote, organize, march, knock on doors, blah, blah, blah. We'll sleep your Republican enablers out of office in November. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Politics. Don't believe me? Hey, how about this one? Dem Senator accidentally reveals two-year plan to keep SCOTUS vacant. Senator Maisie Hirano from Democrat from Wise says a long vacancy isn't a big deal. Hirano gave a lengthy interview to Media Tuesday, according to Washington Free Beacon, where she insisted that a Supreme Court seat could remain vacant for years, particularly in light of how Republicans did Merrick Garland. I think we've had those kind of vacancies before, and we certainly have over a one-year vacancy with Mayor Garland. So the world has not come to an end. Keeping that seat clear would be tough to do, especially given the Republicans are expected to hold on to at least one seat majority in the Senate. And thanks to Harry Reid, that's all they need to confirm a new justice. It's also a difficult strategy to justify, as Senator Hirono herself pointed out in 2016, when she announced that it's unprecedented to announce unilaterally that no part of the advice advise and consent will occur until after the election. But now, that's all they're trying to do. They are so bold in this. Eric 
Swalwell. He's a fucking representative. Boo hoo hoo. You're a senator who police will protect. A sexual assault victim can't sleep in her home tonight because of threats. Where are you sleeping? She's on her own while you and your Senate GOP colleagues try to rush her through a hearing. And that was towards a tweet from the Hill, Collins. My office has gotten some pretty ugly voicemails, threats over Kavanaugh. Only media member to call this piece of shit out. And once again, this is sexist as fuck. If she was a Democrat and he was a Republican, was Jake Tapper. Maybe all such threats are bad and should be taken seriously and not mocked. Maybe. But, hey, he's a dem. They treat women like shit all the time, as long as they have an R behind their name. Emily Linden brings in some honesty to this conversation. And the worst part about the Me Too movement, that just being lost. Here's an unpopular opinion. I'm actually not at all concerned about innocent men losing their job over false sexual allegations. First, false allegations very rarely happen, so even bringing up borders on derailment tactic. It's a microscopic risk in comparison to the issue at hand, worldwide systematic oppression of half the population. And more importantly, the benefit of all of us getting to finally tell the truth, the impact of victims far outweigh the loss of any one man's reputation. Sorry if some innocent men reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy that is a price i'm absolutely willing to pay that's the truth of the me too movement it's not about right or wrong it's not about destroying people's lives it's not about if things really happened it's about a movement, the feminist movement, the progressive movement, somehow, some way, getting retribution for things that other people did. I am not one of the people that say, hey, we should just ignore these women. But I do remember a lot of liberals in some pretty high-profile cases saying, shouldn't we have some... Innocent until proven guilty. When they had a D behind their name. I mean, that's what we said. But this whole movement, this whole Kavanaugh thing, has nothing to do with right or wrong. It has to do with them and their politics. White men are evil. You should shut the fuck up. Not be in power of anything and just like the LGBT mafia only they should be able to control things and when it is a white power group we call that pretty fucked up but for some reason the media thinks this is great shit they think it's great except Kimberly Strassel here's a point where I let some people punch back more breaking news with further undercuts the Ford accusation as well as media handling of it. A source is giving me this email that WAPO reported Porter Emma Brown sent to Mark Judge. One person formed claims was at the party. This email is dated September 16, 2018. The email wants a comment from him. The subsequent story would reveal Christy Ford's name and would 
give detail of the supposed assault. One part of the email to the judge reads, in addition to Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge, whom she called acquaintances she knew from past socializing, she recalls that her friend Leland, last name then was Ingman, now Kaiser, was at the house and a friend of the boy named PJ. This matters for two big reasons, for credibility and WAPOs. The subsequent WAPO story would go on to cite Ford's name and details and also list notes from the therapist that Ford told this to in 2012. Read carefully what WAPO reports. The same day it emails Judge, the notes say four boys were involved in discrepancy, Ford says, was an error on the therapist's part. Ford said there were four boys at the party, but only two in the room. Wait, say what? WAPO reporters publicly, public, publicly that Ford said it was four boys, even after WAPO reporters tell Judge that Ford w- had told her it was three boys and a girl. So first, huge problem. This was just a week ago, and we have Ford giving two different accounts of who was present. Four boys, no three boys, no one girl. Either way, therapist notes from the 2012 definitely say four boys, which Ford didn't dispute. But now a girl? Other problem, WAPO reporting reporters has for a week had the names of the, those four listed as present. One is a woman, yet it writes in a story saying four boys. Why? Maybe a mistake. But if so, why did WAPO never correct the narrative? What, you can't find Keeser? She has lived in D.C. area for a long time. The paper had no trouble tracking down the other two men, by the way, who have denied such party. And why not publish Keeser's name? It published the other men's name. In its most recent update tonight, WAPO writes, before her name became public, Ford told the Post, she did not think Keeser would remember the party because nothing remarkable happened there as far as Keeser was aware. Wow. Before her name became public, Ford told... That is WAPO admitting that it had the name and that Ford responds to what were clearly be a Keesler denial, but never put it out there again. Why? A lot of people have a lot of questions to answer and they will answer none of them. They will answer none. This is just a made up story by activists. The judges are activists. She's a key Democrat activist. This is just like the Trump accusations by the four women. He groped me on an airplane. He did this. They never really came out there because they made it up. The video of grabbing the punti did not have the effect. So they came up with some more shit. Just trying to do anything. Throwing it up against the wall to get Hillary elected. It's just a made up story. It's not true. Not true. He didn't rape anybody. Because that's what they're calling it now, rape. Necking with the girl and groping her boob is rape. Unless you're Cory Booker. Then it's enlightenment. Then uh, Ben Shapiro has six questions. Why didn't Feinstein come forward earlier? Great question. Why isn't the FBI investigating? Because can't estimate they can't go into something so old ago or long ago and they did and they found nothing why didn't ford tell anybody about the incident until 2012 why did her therapist notes conflict with her account because she's just making it up that's why she doesn't remember key details and why aren't any other women coming forward because there are no other women the man hasn't done anything He hasn't done anything. There's nothing there. This is all bullshit. So let's move on to another thing. Here is Beto O'Rourke. And 
once again, we're going to play a soundbite. Let's play a soundbite first. This is CNN, the most trusted name in news. Listen to what this guy says about the polls. President Trump calling on Republican voters overnight to go out and vote. The midterm race is certainly heating up. Tonight, Republican Senator Ted Cruz and his Democratic challenger, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, they face off in their first debate in Texas. Recent polls show, uh, well, some of the polls show that this race is tightening. That's one of the important things here. Joining me now to discuss CNN Politics senior writer and analyst Harry. And Harry, you look at Texas, you look at the race against Ted Cruz, and Democrats so badly want this. They have so much hope here. Uh, But there are some signs in the polls they may have their hopes dashed. Yeah, if liberal hopes could drive a Senate campaign to victory, Beto O'Rourke would be winning by 40 points. Unfortunately, the vast majority of the polls do show him losing, including a recent Quinnipiac poll that shows him down nine points in the state to Ted Cruz. I should point out most of the other polls show a tighter race, but pretty much all of them show Ted Cruz. Facts fucking first. We really want these polls to be wrong. But why do I bring him up? Because he's not going to win against Ted Cruz. Liberals can wish all they want. It's not going to happen. This is what he said. O'Rourke stated, talking about criminal justice reform, let's talk about where the problem started. When contractors needed labor, they would talk to local law enforcement who would arrest African Americans for idling for petty crime, frivolous offenses. Those contractors would describe the number of bodies that they needed, and law enforcement would provide those bodies. And when they looked at the remains in that graveyard, they see evidence of muscle literally torn from the bone, people being worked to death in these convict chain gangs, people who became convicts solely by the dint of the color of their skin in a system that was radically unjust following what we thought was the end of that injustice at the end of the Civil War. And basically what he was inferring as the police, modern-day police, are the new Jim Crow. Really? Oh. Okay. Yeah. If you watch Live PD, even if you're the most avant resistance member, you will see that the police are just doing their jobs. They give people so many fair shakes. One of our uh, fantasy live PD members is Lieutenant Danny Brown, um, who me and the wife love. He's in South Carolina. That guy hooks up more people than he puts in fucking jail. And they're all wrong. I mean, they all got weed. They're all fucking up. They're doing something wrong. Police just stumble on them. There they are. And they give them a fair shake. They could bust them for a lot more things. But they don't. And just this weekend he did it. Walked up on a car. Everybody there is young. The only people that really got hemmed up were 16-year-old kids with guns. I think even the left would say that's probably bad. I mean, guns are bad, right? Oh, wait a minute, they were African-Americans, so now they're not bad? I, I don't know what to say, because you change the rules all the time. You just change the rules. We then move on to our Google, which we covered in depth last podcast, but this is some scary shit. Not surprising, but scary. What harm would that be having? Uh, what would be the bad results of Google monitoring what's going on through Gmail? What would be... Um, what would be like a worst case scenario? Okay, I can't even begin 
to emphasize how important it is that you not use Gmail. Uh, the problem is is so extensive; it's just it's hard to condense into a sentence or two. But the point is that they're taking that information not just from the uh, emails you send, but even from the drafts, those crazy drafts that you decide not to send. That all becomes part of your personal profile. If you're mentioning other people, that goes into their personal profiles. If someone writes back to you from another email service, well, it doesn't matter. They're they're monitoring that email as well, and uh, we're talking about an accumulation of knowledge, which if someone is in their let's say 30s, uh, which might be the equivalent of, and I'm not kidding you, three million word pages of information. That's how quickly information um, piles up. Um, I published an article uh, not long ago called Free Isn't Freedom, in which I explore this and I explain about that little, little trickle of services you get every day from these companies and the little trickle of information you provide. And that little trickle just continues every single day. But at their end, what's happening is a mountain a mountain of material is being accumulated, and newer and newer ways of using that material are being invented all the time. So there's no telling how that material could be used to affect your life. It is being used now to make decisions about you without you even knowing it. These companies are building literally digital models of you. They're predicting your behavior, and they are influencing you and the more they know about you the easier it is for them to manipulate you without your awareness so even if you have nothing to hide you're still at tremendous risk by providing day after day more and more of this trickle of information to these companies you have to be crazy in my opinion to be using gmail uh, to be using uh, chrome which is uh, google's uh, browser uh, to be using uh, any Google product, Google Docs, Google Wallet, you name it, it's all contributing to this problem. Wall Street Journal. Google says it continues to allow apps to scan data from Gmail accounts. Lawmakers have asked companies to explain policy in wake of Wall Street Journal report. Google Inc. told lawmakers it continues to allow other companies to scan and share data from Gmail accounts, responding to questions raised on Capitol Hills about privacy, potential misuse of information contained in users' emails. In a letter to senators, a top Google official said the company allows app developers to scan Gmail accounts, even though Google itself stopped the practice for the purpose of ad targeting last year. The company has also disclosed that app developers developers generally are free to share that information with anybody. Other article. Sorry, page freeze. What the fuck? Lays it out more. I'm not going to read it because somehow it's corrupt now and it's dicked up and this is a stellar podcast. But what it's basically inferring is that's why they know your interests. Just this weekend, I was searching something, a highway to heaven. We were going to watch it because we've never watched it, and we're in our we're out of Waltons. We watched all the Waltons, so we wanted some other wholesome show to watch on Sunday. So we went to go watch this Highway to Heaven, and when I typed it in, I said to the wife, is it Highway to Hell or Highway to Heaven? And she started laughing because that's an ACDC song. When I put Highway into my phone, 
it said highway to hell and highway to heaven. That was the first top polls. Because that goddamn phone was listening to me. It was listening to me. It knew what I was doing. And now finding out they're reading your emails. I sent an email the other day to a friend and I ended it with Google fuck off. Because they're reading your shit. If you have Gmail right now, they're trying to force you to a new look. I don't want the new look because it freezes up and it sucks. But they pretty much told me in a week I'm not going to have a choice. I'm not going to be able to have the old Gmail. And now I wonder if it's still that way they can continue to monitor what I'm saying. Because I'm sure by this podcast and the emails I send myself when I find articles and things like that. Oh, they know I'm a bad person. I don't conform to Alphabet's way of thinking. But it's just not Google. Apple gives you a trust rating, and it's based on your phone call and email habits. The new system was quietly added as part of new iOS 12 update for iPhones. The new ratings, okay, let me see. Apple design chief Joan Ive and CEO Tim Cook revealed new iPhone models last week, but also quietly induced a user rating system. Apple new system was revealed at the company updates its iTunes policy page. According to the iPhone maker, Apple builds a score based on the number of calls and emails you send and receive to help spot fraudulent transactions made using your phone. To help identify and prevent fraud, information about how you use your device, including the approximate number of calls or emails you send and receive, will be used to compute a device trust score when you attempt a person. Purchase. The submissions are designed so Apple cannot cannot learn the real values of your device. The scores are stored for fixed time in our servers. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Inside, I already know that is being used to do what? See who you are, what you think, what you feel. And with Google and Apple, I will guarantee built into this is re-education. I know that sounds like a tinfoil hat, but I still get Google articles that I'm not asking for. Lately, it's been sports. Our ending today is about the Green Bay Packers who shit the bed yesterday. But Clay Matthews getting a ticket every time, or ticket, getting a, a... flag every time he touches a quarterback i didn't ask for that article it was forced on my phone i didn't ask for any information about sports i have the card blank but they sent it to me anyway and i am sure as i am a fat man by the end of the day i'll get some more kavanaugh stuff because i got one this morning from fox i'm not registered for it but Fox's new allegation that Kavanaugh showed his wee-wee to somebody in college. He flashed his penis. It came from Fox. It was sent to me. I'm not signed up for it. When the midterms come, it'll be nothing but Democrats. Nothing. It will push me. And I think that's what this is all about. Re-education. You're wrong. You don't think like us. So we're going to outline a way to re-educate you. For those that listened to that 37 minutes, and I re-listened to it again fishing the other day, I had it on play. They say there's things we can do to fix this and this. It wasn't the outright bold stuff like people's voting patterns. 
it was about immigration. But you can bet coming to a phone near you on Apple and Google by 2020, they're going to be trying to frame who you should vote for. So to close out our fire for effect, we talked about the Netflix abortion movie the other day about how it's the fabric of democracy. I found this soundbite. It's a little long, seven minutes, but I think it's needed. Here's a rebuttal to that tomfoolery by women. Yeah. The other women, the women who don't believe the path to womanhood is killing a baby. Yeah. Those women, they don't get much time on TV. So let's listen to them. Netflix dropped a new documentary all about abortion last week. The film Reversing Roe paints the pro-life movement as violent and as religious extremists. Religion can make people crazy. It really can. And it can be wonderful, but it can also be just incredibly intolerant. All those people who shot these people at the clinics and so on, they were all religious. Reverend Tom Davis is the former chairperson of Planned Parenthood's clergy advisory board. He's also a minister in the United Church of Christ who is featured in the film. Joining us now is Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, who was also interviewed for Reversing Grow, but was then left out of the final cut. And we're joined by Katie Yoder, the associate culture editor at the Media Research Center. Thank you both for being here. So wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to have you both. So Jeannie, what did you tell Reversing Growth filmmakers that never made it onto the screen? Well, they spent about an hour with me on the morning of the March for Life. So what I said, I mean, I I went on for about an hour about how um, the pro-life movement is pro-woman, you know, that pro-life and pro-woman go hand in hand. And um, all sorts of things about the youthfulness, I think, of the March for Life and and the pro-life movement. But sadly, none of that seemed to make the cut. That was not portrayed at all in that film. And Katie, based on your research, is there a hostility towards the pro-life movement in the media? And how are we as pro-lifers expected to respond to that? Right. I think there absolutely is. I mean, for the past five years, I've been tracking uh, by the second how much time the three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, have spent on events like the March for Life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And until 2016, they spent just seconds every year, um, always under a minute. Um, And then this past year, uh, when I did a comparison of the March for Life and the Women's March, Mm -hmm. they spent seven times more on the Women's March than the March for Life. Uh, So I think pro-lifers need to speak out about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The media need to be held accountable, and whether that's by social media or getting the word out, uh, talking to friends and family about this, or going to other news sources, going Mm -hmm. to smaller news sources, or coming to Pro-Life Weekly. (laughs) I like that answer. So Jeannie, what would you like to have seen in the film for a more accurate portrayal of what the pro-life movement is today? Well, I mean, just that. What I saw in the documentary is not what I know of the pro-life movement. And it saddens me because anybody who's watching that who may be considered more middle of the road or maybe isn't that well educated on life issues, um, they're really having a disservice done to them because they're not going to see things as they actually are. What I saw is nothing like what I've experienced. Um, For example, there was just a major emphasis on sort of a male-oriented pro-life movement. It was almost um, advocated 
advocating for like a patriarchal society. Right. And the reality is that the pro-life movement is led by many young women. Mm -hmm. um, I can name about 10 off the top of my head right now. It's absolutely not an understanding of life and the movement that's patriarchal whatsoever. Um, so it, it just wasn't accurate. And Katie, it really did seem that it was uh, the pro-life movement was portrayed as predominantly male. What do you think the filmmaker's intent was in doing that? Right. Well, you know, it's hard to know their exact intent, um, but I agree with Jeannie that it was a misrepresentation. And the funny thing is, they had every opportunity to tell both sides. In fact, Netflix and both of the filmmakers said that they wanted to show both sides, hmm. um, that that was what they were focusing on. And they had the footage of pro-life women to put in their documentary. They And in the documentary, you'll see that they have one interview with a pro-life woman and 13 interviews uh, with women who support abortion. That's huge. That doesn't reflect the society right now, American culture. Uh, and so that's, that's a huge discrepancy. And I, I spoke with several pro-life women who were interviewed for hours by the filmmakers, and they never appeared in the documentary. Uh, so those are women like Jeannie, uh, Destiny Herndon De La Rosa from New Wave Feminists, mm -hmm. Abby Johnson from And Then There Were None, uh, Catherine Glenn Foster from Americans mm -hmm. United for Life, Helen Alvare from Women Speak for mm -hmm. Themselves. Some of these women were followed around for hours by these filmmakers and they still didn't make the cut and so you have to ask why is this mm -hmm. happening uh, and it, it kind of shows that it doesn't show it instead of representing pro-life voices it's misrepresenting them and as Jeannie said the pro-life movement is led by women mm -hmm. uh, so many organizations are led by women uh, and so these documentaries didn't show that, didn't show what's really going on, and so they're misleading American viewers. And Jeannie, even though this film was titled Reversing Route, it never once clearly depicted what would happen if Roe v. Wade were to be overturned and, and what that looks like. What do you think is the ultimate goal of the pro-life movement? Well, uh, two things. One is uh, it's, it's absolutely changing hearts and minds so that abortion ultimately becomes unthinkable in our culture. And the laws absolutely impact that. So we need both laws and changing of hearts and minds. Um, we often hear culture is upstream of politics. Mm -hmm. And so we're working towards both things. But I just want to mention as well, as much as this documentary was supposed to be about Roe, they never once mentioned Norma McCorvey, the Roe, who, by the way, had a radical conversion and dedicated the entirety of her latter life to pro-life advocacy. Um, so the, again, I think um, I am not a fan of the term fake news, but this would actually be an appropriate use of this. I mean, people who are watching this show are not getting a neutral documentary on the facts. And Nora McCorvey, who was Jane Roe, she never had that abortion. She never as well. had the abortion. There's so much to be told that, that wasn't. Uh, Katie, I also wanted to get your thoughts on this. There was uh, mentions of the Catholic Church in this film. What did you make of how the Catholic Church was portrayed in Reversing Grow? Right. Well, they portrayed the Catholic Church as more political. Uh, they showed the Catholic Church. There are a couple of experts on. Reverend Tom Davis said the Catholic Church gave pushback, and Linda Greenhouse for, in the New York Times, um, from the New York Times, she said that they were very strategic in making 
the the National Right to Life Committee. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were very minimal comments, though. That was about it, mm -hmm. basically, mm -hmm. of their mentions of the Catholic Church. And I think the one important thing that they forgot is that the Catholic Church is pro-life, uh, not because of politics. It's mm -hmm. in it's involved in the pro-life movement because it cares about the intrinsic dignity and worth of every human person. And so I think they greatly misrepresented that and let go of an opportunity that they, they could have taken advantage of. Jeannie Mancini and Katie Yoder, thank you both for being here so we can show viewers what the pro-life movement really is about. Thank you. Oh, thank thanks you. for having us. Absolutely. Take tweet of the day! Politics real quick. Now, we all hate... I apologize. Nah, I really don't apologize, man, because a lot of my fans get mad at me when I talk bad about them, but I don't... I think it's safe to say most people in our culture do not... Well, you need to know Trump. that. You need to know that a lot of your fans is racist. Ain't no See, fucking way around. Don't even try to put no... I don't cut. even want to put I, anything around I yet. do. I don't give a fuck. I yeah. tell them straight up, motherfucker, if you like that nigga, you motherfucking racist. Fuck you and fuck him. Now what? All right. Draw the line, nigga. He drew the lines. Exactly. He drew the motherfucking lines. Before him, there were no lines. Everybody was everybody. We respected everything. We didn't trip. But, nigga, when you drew the line, nigga, start pointing motherfuckers out and saying, nigga, fuck y'all then, nigga. Yeah, that's how I feel. You and them. If you're just tuning in, we're talking Kanye about Kanye too, Trump. nigga. Don't forget about him, too. Fuck you, too. Well, this is what I was going to say about that. I was going to bring up Kanye. And you throw him in the bag, too, because he right with them motherfuckers. But I got to ask you a question, my brother. I watch a lot of roasts. I remember you were at the Donald Trump roast. And I was roasting his ass. I wasn't being his buddy. No, I, I got paid, nigga. But you know how much I got paid? Oh, that's our Snoop Dogg. Isn't he a good guy? Everybody's fucking racist. Okay. PETA mocks Donald Trump Jr. with Halloween costume. Trump Jr. neuters him. The animal rights group, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, decided to mock Donald Trump Jr. and Abbott Hunter by creating a Halloween costume of him with blood dripping down his face as a leopard was posed behind him. But Trump Jr. as a hunter, he said, had PETA in his crosshairs and promptly neutered them. PETA Ingrid, President Ingrid Newkirk gleefully stated, There's nothing more frightful than an entitled ghoul who gets his kicks from gunning down wild animals. This Halloween, PETA will help people poke fun at someone who believes that the world and its wildlife are here for him and his sake. The twist. The tweet in a twist of the horrific trophy hunting photo that showed the Trump brother grinning while clutching the body of a dead leopard. This time, the leopard wins. Pre-order PETA's new limited edition Donald Trump Jr. Halloween costume. Are we cute? Mmm. The 169, this is from The Hill, who would never allow this for anybody else. The 169 Donald Trump Jr. hunting Halloween costume, for which Pino is currently accepting pre-orders on his website, includes a blood-stained camouflage jacket with a name tag that reads half-cocked, and a red cap and a leopard-stuffed animal are all part of the get-up, although listing indicated prop gun not included. According to Pino, the costume was inspired by and is a twist on the trophy hunting photo, blah, blah, blah. So Jr.'s Response back, ironically there, are, ironically, there are a few organizations in world history that have had such animal blood on their hand as PETA. You hypocrites are literally an animal slaughtering factory. In the last 11 years, PETA has killed 29,426 dogs, cats, rabbits, and other domestic anim animals. And once again, for you moonbats out there, that's from HuffPo. HuffPo. Yeah. So that's our hate tweet. For our tweet of the day, 
Media Matters, which once again, I use a lot of MRC, but it's usually grounded in, you know, crazy statements that the left sets. They say some horrible shit, as we'll see in our hypocrisy today. They decided to twist Ari Fleischer's tweet about Kavanaugh this week as a mean to smear him. Cheryl Ackerson decided to slam them. Media Matters is a fairly successful propaganda smear group, a fairly small core group donors operating under many names. Some news reporters I know weren't even aware until recently that it's not a real media watchdog group. Jeff Dunst backs her up. Media Matter once called me an anti-Semite, and they did it on Shabbos. When I am not online, my editors ripped them all day long until I got online after sundown. And as usual, they did not take it away. Angelo Caruso was one of the co-founders, got his undies in a bunch. Typical Atkinson sleuthing going on here. You realize we post full transcripts of the comments, right? As we always do. Are you saying the transcript is inaccurate? Also, we are a real media watchdog. You can disagree with the perspectives some writers take, fine. But the research is reliable and methodologies sound in our stories. He closes it with, you don't like an opinion, so you attack, smear, and then project. Be best. That's their entire outfit. Attack smear and project so it's gotta be the tweet of the day Hypocrisy! Also, she made headlines after this photo. Remember this? Capturing her giving the president's motorcade the bird. That woman is now running for office. She joins me live, coming up. Coming up next, she made headlines after this photo capturing her giving the president's motorcade the bird. That woman now is running for office. We'll talk to her live next. My next guest is turning a small act of defiance into a bid for public office. Remember this photo? About a year ago, Julie Bricksman went for a bike ride in Sterling, Virginia, when she happened upon the president's motorcade uh, leaving his nearby golf course. And that is when she decided to send him a message with her middle finger. She did not know, though, as she was doing this, that she would be photographed by a Getty photographer. And she certainly didn't know that the photo would get this much attention. No one swing it. Swing it all has around. summed up the mood of the country better than a cyclist who went viral last week for giving the president's motorcade the finger. Maybe she was just saying you're number one. How do they know? <laughs> 
Days later, Briskman lost her job at a government contracting firm. She sued her company for wrongful termination, but the suit was dropped. And instead of filing appeal, she has filed a form to run for public office. Julie Briskman is with me now. Julie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me today, Brooke. I appreciate it. You got it. it. So here you have the news. You're now running for a seat on the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors in Virginia. I want you to tell me, what was your final straw, you know, in your world that made you say, that's it, I'm running? Uh, I, I, I did want to ask you, as a mom of two teenagers, you know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of Trump critics out there who blast the president, his language. They say he acts like a fifth grader and Julie... Aren't you adding to that discourse that, that you've blasted Trump for? I've read all these, you know, interviews you've done, and I know over and over you were asked, well, do you have any regrets? And you always say no. And I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. since now you are in the public eye running mm -hmm. for office, what if somebody gave you the bird? How would you feel about that? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I really giving some, I, I guess what I want to say is, let the person who's never given somebody the bird in bad traffic throw the first stone, first of all. Um, I really, I really don't think that giving someone the bird's that bad. If somebody wanted to, to give me the bird or have a conversation about, about an opposing view, I'm happy to do that. Maybe the conversation would be better than the bird, but anywho. I think it would be. Julie Briskman, appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you. Facts first. We're going to bring on somebody who was so uncouth they flipped off the President of the United States. Had they flipped up Barack Obama, they would be in jail right now. CNN would have doxxed their whole family. It would have been like the mafia. They would have been sleeping with the fucking fishes. But Brooke Baldwin, no, we're bringing her on TV. We're going to make sure she gets elected, because she's a great person. Yeah, that's fucking fantastic. Remember the NBC News story we told you about yesterday? No, I don't, but let's read the article anyway. Christina King Miranda, that was problematic. It was published after she had already deleted her social media post on the alleged Kavanaugh incident at the time of publication. Now that Miranda has given an interview to NPR where she says flat out that she doesn't know if the alleged incident happened or not, we were wondering if NBC News would update or retract the story. Stephen Miller. Will you be updating or retracting your story now? Ken Dillian at NBC. NPR tweet is what he retweeted. Former classmate at Christina Blasey Ford tells NPR she doesn't know of an alleged sexual conduct assault by Brett Kavanaugh even took place. As she suggest suggested on social media. But they didn't retract it. John Sexton. It has been rewritten. This looks to be added text. In an interview with NPR Thursday, King Miranda was equivocally that it happened or not. I have no idea, she told NPR's Nina Totenberg. I can't say that it did or it didn't. In my Facebook post, I was empowered and I was sure that it probably did. I had no idea that I would have to now go on specifics and defend it before 50 cable news channels and have my face spread all over MSDNC and Twitter. But King Miranda did not back off her assertion that she recalls hearing about the incident involving Kavanaugh. Steven, Stephen Miller says, with Editor notes? Yeah. Because it's not about truth. The media are liberals. It's just about stall. Don't let him get nominated. We want a Democrat. That's how our media works. How do I know that? This article. CNN's Chris Cuomo to host non-partisan radio show. Did I just say that? Yeah, that's actually... The Hill said. 
Chris Cuomo might have his faults, but one thing you have to say about him is he plays it down the middle with no obvious partisan agenda. You don't believe me? Why just ask him, since it has been announced in The Hollywood Reporter, that Cuomo will be the hosting a call-in radio show starting this Monday on Sirius XM's nonpartisan POTUS channel. If you dare cast aspersions upon Chris Cuomo's claim about a lack of political agenda, it tells us over and over again about how straight down the mill he plays it in contrast to those nasty conservative hosts. Oh, and he also tells us about a big fringe benefit of having a radio show on Sirius XM. He can let off steam by cursing. Hooray. I can say whatever I want, he told THR. I don't have to worry about my language the same way. I wonder what type of language he'll use on the air after about the 15th call to his show daring to question his claim of nonpartisanship. Chris Cuomo has a lot to say and will now get two more hours each day to say it. The CNN anchor who took over the 9 p.m. slot on network in June is getting a daily afternoon show on the nonpartisan POTUS. Yeah. Every time I turn into POTUS, there's a Democratic representative there. POTUS on Sirius is not nonpartisan. They say it, they talk about it, But you tune in, it's an anti-Trump show, it's an anti-Republican show. I used to listen to it on the road. It's a lie. They have nothing but liberals on there. They had somebody, and I can't remember who it was while I was on vacation, a lightning rod was on there, and they were treating her like she was this middle-of-the-road politician. Because to them, they are. I mean, they want everybody to be like Maxine Waters. POTUS is for president of the Democratic Party. That's what they really want. FBI memos detail partisan axes, as in chopping a tree axes, secret conflicts behind the Russian election meddling assessment. For most of two years, the U.S. intelligence community has presented a united front on all the key conclusions in January report that Russian meddled in the 2016 presidential election. Now, congressional investigators have unearthed text messages and emails showing the FBI feared there were some in the intelligence community with partisan axes to grind and suggested there could be no singular conclusion that Moscow wanted to help elect Trump. Yeah. This one breaks it down that There are a lot of people that we don't even know about that are part of this cabal to just get rid of Trump. Yeah. The more they unearth, the more emails get released. This whole Mueller thing is smoke and mirrors. And you notice how it goes out of the media. And then they bring it back when they have nothing to bash Trump with. And it goes out of the media. And then they bring it back. And there's always a release here and there's a release there. It is just used to have a constant meme. Trump can't be trusted. Trump shouldn't be president. We don't want him to be president. Get rid of him so we can start getting Pence impeached. Because he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Our media mash. Because we got a short hypocrisy today. It's all hypocrisy. This week, and meet the press. He's fucking guilty. Kavanaugh's guilty. He's just straight guilty. Then MSDNC guest. Accusations are conviction. Or something like that. Douglas Ginsburg. Douglas Ginsburg was the person that was uh, was nominated by Reagan Correct. after Bork got borked. Right. He, 
within a matter of days, he was honest about marijuana use and had to step and down. Had to step down. Yeah. But an, an, a claim of sexual assault right. is not sufficient. And uh, they've all of the other witnesses have said this did not happen. He said a couple of different things about it. I think she said she, the Leland said she wasn't at the party, but she also said she believes uh, Dr. Ford. But I take your point right there. You've said categorically that the allegation against Judge Kavanaugh is false. But how do you know that? Most women are not looking at this politically. I'm going to reiterate this. They're looking at this as if their finally voice is going right. to be heard right. and if they're going to be believed. For 5,000 years, <laughs> women have been treated as property. For centuries, by institutions, including the Catholic Church, which I'm a member of, they've been treated as second-class citizens. Women didn't get the right to vote in this country until 1920, even though they were told in the 1780s that all, all men are created equal in this. Women have dealt with this for hundreds and hundreds of years, and the question is, is will they be believed when they, when, they, when they actively accuse a powerful man? And this is a moment where, yes, the presumption of innocence is a standard and something that we need to do, but part of the problem is that we've also said we presume in these cases that the woman, in most cases, the woman is lying. So instead of saying, let's presume she's telling the truth and we have a presumption of innocence, what do we do? And when we look at this from that context, and women have had to deal with this for many, many years. It wasn't until the 80s that, based, that, women were, that we finally were telling women that, yes, you can be raped in marriage, that most of the cases of rape aren't reported, that most cases aren't investigated, that most of these things women aren't believed. In the extremely rare cases, that somebody is, gives fault witness and doesn't tell the truth is compared to the extremely common cases right. where women aren't believed. And well, when we right, get to, right, part right. of the problem when we get to a he said, she said is almost every single time in a he said, she said case, he the wins. default position is he wins. But this is one reason that she wanted to keep this private, not only for her privacy, but also for his privacy, that she simply felt duty-bound as a citizen to share this information with the committee, even going so far as before he was nominated, back when he was on the short list and his name was surfacing, she wanted to share this And, and that's why what Senator Feinstein did here is reprehensible. Because she and her staff leaked this information. We don't know that. No, no I don't think we know that. Yes, no. yes, there's no I, doubt no. in my mind. We don't know that. I actually don't think Absolutely. That's an allegation yeah. without evidence. Well, Chuck Todd is NBC's political director and the moderator, of course, of Meet the Press. Chuck, good morning. Good to see you. So we, overnight, we've got the news of this deal. We don't know the the specifics of it. We know the broad, uh, the broad outlines that Kavanaugh and right. Dr. Ford will both testify on Thursday before the Judiciary Committee. Republicans I talked to, Chuck, are feeling pretty good right now. They've got those other people who were alleged to have been at the party saying, I have no memory of the party. They feel no. like they've given Dr. Ford time and space and let her come when she was ready before their committee. How does this play out, and what are the perils for Republicans as they roll into a midterm season they hope to do very well in? Look, I think the perils of the event itself, Willie. I, 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 I tend to agree with you on um, where Republicans feel today as opposed to where they felt even yesterday or the day before. But I, I have to say, I'm trying to visualize this event. Yeah. And I can't come, I can't figure out how this event is helpful to Brett Kavanaugh. Mm. Right? It, 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 the, the, let's assume the outcome is a stalemate, which is it's up to everybody to decide who they believe. Right? There's no other evidence that they can really go by. It's really about... Brett Kavanaugh's credibility, Dr. Ford's credibility. If that's where we're at, I, I just think in this, I, I just think the bar for confirmation probably has been raised for him if this event happens. What does that mean? I think that's in the eye of the beholder, but I just feel as if this confirmation gets that much harder 
if this event happens on Thursday. And do you think that's in the hands of Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who will be put in a tough spot, right? I would say Jeff Flake, too. Yeah. I think, Bob, I, and, and I wouldn't assume it's just those. I mean, look, it, 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 we are in a different... Look, the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings was one era of America. You can't ignore the backdrop of Me Too, right? We have now four individuals who have come forward who were named by uh, Professor Ford who were at that party. Mm -hmm. And all four... Kavanaugh, Judge, uh, Smith, and her friend, uh, uh, Leland, Leland Kaiser, have all said they don't remember anything like this ever happened. And Leland Kaiser, who says she believes Ford, says that she doesn't e even remember ever being at a party mm -hmm. where Kavanaugh was present. Right, and, and that actually corroborates uh, Ford's story, which is that she was so horrified by this that she kind of snuck out or slunk out of this apartment in a way that no one would know what happened because she was so utterly mortified. That last was Jennifer Gramholm, an actual lawyer, an actual governor. And that's a special, special kind of fucking stupid that if nobody remembers... Well, then the accuser must be right. Yeah. Must be right. And then our Bias 101. It's a double-edged Bias 101 today because this is pretty fucking special. This is CNN, once again, bringing on those normal people stuff. So, they bring them on, and this girl, and I can't remember her name, but she was during the... She's a fucking libtard. And she's just astonished that women just wouldn't rush to some biased woman who's a damn activist, and just go, oh, yeah, she's right. Whatever she says is true. We believe everything she says. But the beauty in it is now Media Matters, and I, I didn't write down, I didn't copy the tweets, but one of their head people are now saying this was a hit job. These people aren't normal Republicans. CNN did fake news, and they brought in GOP activists, these two women, and they are just there because CNN is working for the GOP. And I literally read that this morning and laughed and spit my coffee. It was just fucking hilarious. I mean, seriously. This is CNN, you dolts. Come the fuck on. So here, here, here's CNN. A show of hands. How many of you believe Judge Kavanaugh when he says this didn't happen? I believe him. I, believe him I, I, I do believe him. I, I, I believe, believe him. How can right. we believe the word of a woman of something that happened 36 years ago when this guy has an impeccable reputation? And was it nobody, nobody that has spoken ill will about him. Everyone that speaks about him, this guy's an altar boy, you know, a scout. He's, you know, because one woman made an allegation. Sorry, I don't buy it. But in the grand scheme of things, my goodness, you, there was no intercourse. There was maybe a touch. Right. Can we really? Thirty-six years later, she's no, still stuck on that. Had it happened? I mean, we're talking about a fifteen-year-old girl, which I respect. You know, I'm a woman. I respect. And we're talking about a seventeen-year-old boy in high school with testosterone running high. Tell me, what boy hasn't done this in high school? Please, I would like to know. Why would she come forward if this wasn't true? Because it has basically destroyed her family. She's had to move. She's gone undercover. She's gotten death threats. Um, so if she's lying. Why come forward? She's also destroying his life, his wife's mm -hmm. lives, his children's yes. lives, his Daughters. career. Mm -hmm. I mean, why didn't she come out sooner if she's telling the truth? 
Why didn't she come out when he was going into the Bush White House? Why didn't she come out when he's been a federal judge exactly. for over a decade? Why not have a thorough investigation Why instead not? of just the two of them? He said, she said. Because it Why doesn't happen? matter. It does not matter what everyone else has to say. This is what happened, though, with Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. The FBI investigated. It took three days. Done. Why not now? Well, this is not the same. This is a high school kid. I mean, it's not a Anita Hill story. Does something that allegedly happened some 30-plus years ago matter today? You can't judge the character of a man based on what he did at 17. And I would hate to think that 30, 40 years later, somebody's going to destroy your life because somewhere at some party, you... It's not right, but maybe you touch somebody the way you were and not supposed to. And who brought the alcohol for these and kids? As women, though, do you have some sympathy for her, for what she's going through? No, I have no sympathy. And perhaps maybe at that moment she liked him, and maybe he didn't pay attention to her afterwards, and he went out she's with another girl, and she got bitter, or whatever Sorry. the situation is. They're kids. If it is true, would it be okay with you if he became a justice on the Supreme Court? As long as that's an isolated incident, yes. He was 17. He was not even an adult. And we all made mistakes at 17. I believe in a second chance. I'd be more than okay with him being Supreme Court judge. If the person made a mistake and they've moved on and they have been a good human being, you know, who are we? To, to channel what my wife said about this whole thing, because she listened to this, the Me Too movement is no different than the race hustling movement or the LGBT movement. When you take your cause and you ferret it down to specious stuff, just anything is an affront to what you believe. Stuff like this just doesn't have the impact. And I don't think they understand that. In their world, any woman says anything, you should lose your job, you should go to jail, you should be executed. Because you're an activist. But you're taking something from so long ago. This guy has been a judge for so long. And the only time you say something is when he's about to be a Supreme Court justice. It's the same thing with Anita Hill. If this stuff was so important, you would do it the moment of. We live in a world that spends half its time trying to explain where for you, any accusation, EEOC, all these laws. Yeah. Women know. Women do for the real stuff. But when you're just doing it for conveniently blocking a Supreme Court justice nomination, doesn't look good and real women not the little teenage resistance women march people, they see through it and go, no, no, that's that's just fucking horseshit. So, yeah. Moving to some stats of the day, and then we're going to go into our main subject. Um, I looked for some sound bites, really couldn't find any, but this stat's pretty good. Glenn Kessler, lots of previous fact checks may need to be revised. Yale study finds twice as many undocumented immigrants as previously estimate, estimated. This is a chart in the Yale study showing the ranges between 16 million and 29 million undocumented immigrants with a mean of 22 million, double the accepted estimate of 11 million. The Yale researchers had assumed it would be less than 11 million, but not so fast. 
once they did their study, 22 million to 29 million illegal immigrants in the United States. I believe that wholeheartedly. With so many liberal bubbles going to sanctuary, they don't even count them anymore. I mean, California alone has over 1 million licensed illegal immigrants in the their state. And during the times of Obama's election with DACA, how many people got in? How many? He was the deportation president, and then he changed his mind. And all those people just rushed the fuck in. So I believe that wholeheartedly. There's another migrant policy institute, which is a liberal front. They're saying, oh, no, 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 stop, stop. That can't be true. They want a... They were they want to fucking rebut it, and they were offered by Yale to rebut it. Do a fa- paper and put it in. They never did anything. They only threw a fit because they don't want the truth to get out. Liberals hide the truth. That's why we don't have any documentation for crimes for illegal immigrants, even down to drunk driving. They block that stuff. So they continue their lies, which is... In areas with undocumented immigrants, crime's actually down. No, that's not true. Because the reason why you can make that claim is based on we don't track illegal immigrant crime. So yeah, yeah, you can make that claim, but it's a lie. And you know it's a lie. And this 11 million, that was Obamaco came up with that shit. You know they were lying. Their whole plan is to wholeheartedly redo the electorate so the electorate will be theirs. And they know if you keep this a normal Anglo-Saxon country with normal people in the middle of the country, you lose. And by normal, Mimal, all races. They don't go into your craziness. They don't get into your fucking klitschy little cause de jours. They live, struggle, and die in this country. So don't have time for your stupidity. But if you can get a bunch of people in, get them citizenship, they'll be beholden to you. It's no different than the Saul Alinsky Obama plan. Fuck up the economy, make a lot of people beholden to you so they can get their free. You get the free, you vote for me. We've talked about it on the show. Conservatives fear Fear, fear, the world's dangerous, I'll protect you. Democrats, you didn't build that. Those rich people to be feared, we're going to give you money, you can live. Thus, the participation rate went to the fucking lowest it's ever been since the Depression under Obama, because it was really easy just to sit at the house, like me, and get money. Now granted, I got money because I have a pension. I got money because I'm disabled. Not fake disabled, but we covered on this show how many fucking time how the increase in social security disability went up through the roof under Obama because people found ways to get more money. Get the free vote for me. So, in light of that, 
That's why we have the Liberal Tea Party. And this article comes from 538. No liberal source. Very, you know, no conservative source. This is a very liberal website. Are we seeing the start of the Liberal Tea Party? Tonight's primary in Illinois 3rd Congressional District features a Democrat incumbent facing a challenge from the left. It's hard not to compare the 2018 midterms to the 2010 midterms. A controversial president sits in the Oval Office. Resistance to his major policy spurs protest and grassroots activism. Special election results pretend a massive electoral wave that threaten to kneecap his ability to govern. So with the first primaries of 2018 taking place this month, will another 2010 phenomenon, the Tea Party, reappear? Quite possibly, on this time, on the left. A loosely defined melange of grassroots conservative activists and hard-right political committees, most prominent from 2009 to 2014, the Tea Party famously demanded ideological purity out of the Republican candidates for elected office. In election after election during this period, Tea Party voters rejected moderate or established candidates in Republican primaries in favor of hardcore conservatives, costing the GOP more than one important race and pushing the party to the right in the process, and it fucked us in the Senate. This Tuesday can mark the first time in 2018 that a modern incumbent Democrat loses a primary bid to a more extreme challenger. Maria Newman, a progressive running from Illinois' 3rd Congressional District, has argued there is no longer a place in the Democratic Party for Representative Dan Lipinski's anti-abortion anti-same-sex marriage views. Lipinski, however, has accused Newman of dismantling the party's Big Ten and fomenting a Tea Party of the left. But how accurate is that comparison, really? One person's Tea Party rebellion is another person's justified excision of the Democratic or Republican in name only. To get a sense for what Newman's campaign against Lipinski looks more like part of a movement to pull the party leftward or simply an attempt to bring the district in line with the Democratic mainstream. We decided to look back at the original Tea Party, or more accurately, since the term Tea Party is vaguely and sloppily applied, recent Republican primary challenges. The following is a list of Republican incumbents in the U.S. Senate and House who have lost a primary election since 2010 to ensure that we're capturing only Newman-style campaigns, that is, candidates who are challenged incumbents from the extreme wings of the party. We're not including incumbents who lost to other incumbents as a result of redistricting, throwing them together, nor are we counting two incumbents who explicitly were explicitly primaried from the center. Republican incumbents who are beaten from the right DW nominate ideology scores of incumbent Republicans lost primary challenges from the right and the scores that challengers later earned in Congress. And they show one, two, three, four, five, six. There was there was fifteen that got challenged. I'm sorry. More than fifteen. Okay, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty two, twenty-four of them. This isn't an exclusive list of Tea Party-style challengers. For example, it doesn't include Republicans shooting from open seat with Christine O'Donnell in Delaware, or hardliners who won GOP primaries to take Democratic incumbents, such as Sharon Angle in Nevada in 2010. But it's good cross-section. The reason it's useful to look only at Republican incumbents who went down to defeat is that it allows us to use DW nominate, a data set that qualifies how liberal or conservative members of Congress are on a scale from one most conservatives to negative one most liberal. So the scores based on congressional voting records are focused on the race in which Cummins lost means that both the losing candidate and in most cases the winning candidate have DW nominated scores. When you use DW nomination to try to qualify the slice of the Tea Party movement, 
What you quickly see is there's barely a pattern to it at all. Tea Party candidates primaried plenty of moderate Republicans, such as Lisa Murkowski and party-switching former Representative Parker Griffin. But they also toppled a plenty of solid conservatives, including former Republican Eric Kanader and Bob Ingalls. And surges found success in moderate jurisdictions like Indiana, 12 percentage points more Republican than the nation as a whole at the time of the election in question, as well as dark red districts in Texas. So it continues on, and then it goes into the liberal side, and it shows there's about 15 different Democrats who are having the same thing. To date, we know Ocasio, we know the other crazy Arab, or not Arab, but a Muslim extremist that got in there, a Latino dude lost, and Cynthia Nixon, she lost. But it's true, hundreds of articles out there, they are getting the same treatment now, but it's scarier to me as an independent than the Tea Party. The Tea Party may look like loons to the left, but they were fiscal conservatives. They wanted to get rid of the deficit. They weren't person crazy shit like God, religion, or any of the stuff that the left doesn't recognize as real thought processes. They literally were just pushing conservatism. You balance the budget. You have a strong defense. You have social nor- social programs, but not extreme social programs. It wasn't that extreme. The problem with the Tea Party on the left, and why I wanted to cover this, and I'm just doing it briefly because you know now I've gone down the road 55 fucking podcasts, is they're a very extreme group. If you think of Ocasio and all these new up-and-comers, Cynthia Nixon, they want open borders, they want ICE abolished, They don't want green cards. They want anybody to come in this country that wants to come in the country. They want free. They're in on all the far left agendas. Me too. Everybody has to be gay. Transgenders get free fucking sex changes. The list goes on for these crazy people. But what's worse is unlike your Sharon Ingalls and all these crazies that we made fun of during the Tea Party time, those were normal people who ran for office. What we're looking at now in the Democratic Party with Ocasio, specifically, these are liberal activists running for election. They were politically active. They pushed causes. The Tea Party people, they just ran businesses or were housewives. So their extreme is way more extreme. If you parallel the Tea Party with what's happening now, we had the Tea Party bump some people. Eric Cantor got bumped. Those people came in. They didn't go extreme. Yeah, you had your Tea Party conservatives for a while, and they were fucking with the budget, and it was a little frustrating. You had protests with normal Americans going out in the street, carrying the freaking banner for the first time. You found the extreme person with the rifle and the extreme Nazi references, and that's all you saw. On the left, 
during this tea party time. We have carnage in the street, Antifa fucking beating people. Day one of Trump's election. Yet in the media, these people are the highest form of patriotism and the Tea Party was a bunch of white Aryan nation motherfuckers. We're watching the same thing, but we're watching it from different perspectives of the political spectrum. And now... It proves my overall writing concept of this podcast. We are so liberally biased in our media. Ocasio and Antifa and Women's March extremities, because they're extreme, those are mainstreamed. They are real patriots. They are great people. Yet during the entire Obama administration, Tea Party was synonymous with KKK. It was the same concept. They weren't in the streets because they were sick of not having jobs, the economy falling apart, and the federal deficit getting ballooned beyond anything our grandkids can pay for now. No, they were racists. They only went in the street because there was a black president. The moment Trump gets in office... They're true patriots. They're fighting his oppression. They're so worried about gay rights and everything. And yet, we're almost two years into his term, and he's done nothing to any of this. He overturned transgenders in the military. The Pentagon didn't do it. So nothing's technically changed for gay rights. You still have gay marriage. You still have gays in the military. You still have transgenders in the military. Nothing has changed. Women can fight in the Rangers if they can qualify. Nothing has changed. So if we had a balanced media, they would be out there going, well, it's just they fucking hate him. Like they did for Obama. They just don't like him because he's a black president. But we don't have that. They're still fear filling the fear-mongering. They're still trying to equate a statement at one rally that I'm going to get rid of the rapists and fucking murderers and gang members to all Latinos. All of them. I'm going to stop immigration from countries with terrorism to he's xenophobic and hates all Muslims. Yet he hasn't done anything on any of those fronts. Nothing has changed. It's the most absurd thing if you really think about it. In the two years of Trump, he's gotten very little accomplished because the media has been beating this drumbeat that he's an illegitimate president who stole election thanks to Putin. Federal judges have blocked every fucking thing he's done. And all he's really accomplished is some trade stuff, some executive orders here and there, and he got one SCOTUS nominee. That's it. That's all he's done. It's just kabuki theater. That's all it is. But the similarities are so amazingly obvious, but we don't hear it. Nobody's calling this the Tea Party of the Left. Yet the Democratic Party, 
Nancy Pelosi, Feinstein's being challenged. They're in peril of having their legitimately long-time bin-fixers-in-Washington politicians gutted, replaced. There was a challenge to Pelosi before she lost control. Oh, I'm sorry. She, she, she lost the minority leader. She almost lost that. And it's not by normal Democrats. It's by extreme Democrats. But a point that I thought of the other day, and that'll close this little rant about the fucking Tea Party concept. The media has gone so extreme in the time of Trump because they hate him so much. They want him impeached so bad because he attacks them and he tweets about him and all that shit. They're not thinking that if this Tea Party of the left takeover, the resistance, totally takes over Washington, it will end the the Democratic Party. Normal Americans will not stand for the craziness that's on the resistance. Total open borders, getting rid of fucking ICE, no looking at any Arab coming in this country that could be have terroristic ties. They won't be able to blame guns when there's another terrorist attack by some DACA person that comes in the country. Right now, the normal Americans I talk to every day when I have conversations in line of all races, genders, sex, it doesn't fucking matter. They're talking about this shit. The resistance... The Antifa resistance that has taken over the Democratic Party is not good for the Democrats. But if these people get elected, it'll be worse for the Democrats than it was for the Republicans. Because the Republicans on whole were still based on the party values of fiscal conservatism. The resistance is not based on the normal democratic values. Remember, we've had numerous conversations over the last two years about how are we going to go back to those middle class working whites and the fucking breast belt. These people say, fuck those motherfuckers. They're all racist because they voted for Trump. They don't want them back. Their level of purity is way more extreme than a Clinton. You know, like a Bill Clinton Democrat. They used to run the Democratic Party. I mean, remember, Bill Clinton was a fucking blowjob-getting fucking man-beast. But he did social welfare reform. He did some conservative stuff because he was a moderate Democrat. These aren't moderates anymore. That's why that 538 story, it's the best I could find because every article I'm pulling out is still trying to compare and do apples and oranges. They're trying to say that, well, the Tea Party was so extreme, they're so extreme because they don't want to talk about the reality of what's so extreme right now. And that's the liberal Tea Party. These fucking resistance people are fucking extreme. Scary extreme. So extreme, it scares your normal people. 
And it makes him say crazy shit like Schumer does and Maxine Waters and Pelosi. They're just adopting those crazy statements to try to stay in office because they know that could be me. I could get tea party. When Diane Feinstein isn't liberal enough for California, what does that say about the Democratic Party? And right now it's too early to tell, but you know they're saying it's leaning a blue wave, there's a good shot at the house. Even though right after the election they said that there was more democratic seats in peril than there were republican seats, but you know we've changed that now to the be the party line of brainwashing everybody that's inevitable that the Senate and the House will become democratic. I don't see it happening, but okay. But if it does, It's going to hurt them for 2020. Mark my words, it's going to hurt them. Because when these extreme people take over and they try to impeach the president on some frivolous bullshit, the country's going to see it. You can't rule this country with Washington, California, Oregon, New York, Connecticut. You can't. You know, Minneapolis, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin. You can't. That's not the country. As Trump showed. The Democratic Party will win the popular vote every time because they have so many illegal immigrants voting for them. I swear to God, I believe that's where it's at. But they'll get their four million extra votes out of California but they'll only get the electoral college votes that come from that state, and that's it. And a Republican, like Trump, will get elected. I mean, there's a lot of people there that believe Trump will get reelected. I'm not one of them. But there's a lot of people that believe that. Economy's going good. He's crazy and fucked up, but he's backed up what he said he was going to do. Get the economy booming. Get the stock market booming. And it is. And to normal people that I talk to, black, Hispanic, they don't find him extreme. They find his Twitter account disgusting and they're sick of it. But they say things are better. And as we said in our last podcast... When only 12% of America says the economy is something they're concerned about, that is huge. So your Chuck Todd's and everybody will get up there and say, you may be the only president that has a great economy is not going to get reelected. That's what you want. That's not reality. And as I learned last election, tune those people out. They don't know America. And I think that's the amazing thing about the 2016 election over anything. They don't know. They have no idea because every one of their polls, everything they print, it's bubble. It's just the bubble. It has nothing to do with what America thinks. It's America where they live. And yes, if you're in New York... Yes, if you're in Portland, Oregon. Yes, if you're in Seattle, Washington. L.A., San Francisco, San Jose, who I love you all out there for listening to my show. 
They fucking hate everything Republican. They think we all should be killed. Guys like me should be hung out in the street. But they don't own this country. You'll never get a popular vote passed. If you couldn't get the ERA passed, you're not getting this done. Three quarters of the states, not happening. So I think it's interesting to look at it, and we're going to reproach it after the midterms. How many of these people were extremists? How many got in? The media is not going to cover it because they don't want to cover it. They want to make all these resistance people like Maxine Waters and the crazy shit coming out of fucking Cynthia Dixon's mouth, even though she didn't win. They want to make them mainstream because they think like them. They are them. They're the extreme form of the Democratic Party. Every day we have to listen to them about subjects that nobody gives a fuck about. As we always read in our new social media nuggets. Just crazy shit. Which we have got some good ones today. So, more to follow on this. We're going to do a ambience. Some rain. Because it's pouring down rain where I live. And we're going to go into news. Social media nuggets.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you again Won't you look down this, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. and be all you can be for it's an adventure for the few the proud the brave in military corner i'm afraid to swallow it i don't know if my body can process this process mozzarella cheese product i feel like this is like a pizza i would make in like an easy bake oven Sorry to hear that. What's up, guys? I'm Ashley Taylor. Hey, y'all. I'm Blake Hogan, and I serve in the only branch, the Marine Corps. Hey, guys. I'm Abby Casey. I'm Jason Hanna, Air Force veteran. Hey, guys. I'm Paxton Elrod. And I'm Dave Woodruff from the United States Marine Corps. And today, we're trying pizza MREs. MREs. I mean, I tried to avoid eating MRAs, but if I did, I was going to go for the cheese cracker with the jalapeno cheese bread, because that you could trade for anything. Um, my favorite one was probably the Salisbury steak one. It was it was pretty good. The chicken enchilada one, it's like a chicken, it's like a soup kind of almost, but it's really good too. Uh, best, I would have to say, is probably chili mac, and the worst, hands down, the veggie omelet. I'm not even sure that's a thing anymore, though. I have never actually had a pizza MRE. So. I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah, I do actually do not like pizza. So what? I'm, I'm a pretty, I can be a pretty good critic on this because, you know, some people are like, 
I can eat any kind of pizza, you know, but not me. I'm, I'm pretty picky when it comes to pizza for me to say, hey, that's really good. I am a fan of pizza. It big, makes me happy. Big pizza fan. Big. You gotta get pepperoni, yeah, and Parmesan cheese, otherwise. I just like everything on my pizza. Yeah. Like, the more you can put on it, the better. Yeah. The less bread and the more toppings, the better. Yeah. Like, if you can fold it together and kind of make it like a taco. I love the thin crust pizza yeah. with a bunch yeah. of stuff on it. The Chicago deep dishes, that's terrible. I, like, you shouldn't need to eat your pizza with a fork. I like some good old Hunt Brothers pizza from the gas station. Those are the best. Like, after you get back from the woods, pick one of those up. It's like the best None tasting thing ever. None of this surprises me at all. <laughs> I'm kind of boring. Just put some meat on it, and that's yeah, that's really it. I don't like fish and stuff that grows on it. The people that put anchovies on pizza should just yeah. never be allowed to They're eat pizza ever again. Pretty much on the same level as people that carpet their dashboards. They just should not be just trusted. Just don't trust them. They're so little. They're just little guys. Look how little it is. That's not so gonna. That's two bites. That's not gonna fill me up. If I'm out in the freaking desert and I'm fighting war, you think this is all I'm gonna eat? I need a lot more of this. Here we go. And looks like an MRE. What do you have? Pepperoni, pepperoni pizza with cheese and sauce. That's what I got too. Okay, same thing. <sighs> Isn't it true that MREs make you constipated if you eat enough of them? Um, actually, it is true that MREs will almost instantly constipate you because when you're deployed in a war zone environment, which is when you're supposed to be eating these, they don't want you having to go to the bathroom all the time. Okay. Well, it's pepperoni, so you should be happy about that. You know, it feels like, you know those uh, pizzas you would get in elementary school that were like square with the little like dots of pepperoni? Yeah. That's what it feels like. To me, it feels like 3.1 ounces of regret. I mean, this looks appetizing, you know? Like, good marketing, good branding. Um, this looks like a healthy treat after a long day in the field. Is this like what you would get in the military? Like, what they look like? Yeah, I mean, this is it. You'd have a whole, like, you know, a whole pack. With, with oh, look! It's so cute! This looks like, uh, like, like elementary school. It's exactly what it is. You look, know? you even get, like, a do not eat. I'm glad they put that on there, because yeah. you know I'd be opening it and trying to pour it on top, you know, a little extra sauce. Here we go. Oh, it's a square. It looks like, um, remember in school how they used to put the square pizza? pizza. Yeah, yeah. pizza. Yeah. Have to do something. Okay. Oh, I was right! Kind of. It smells like Chef Boyardee. Like when you mm. open the can up. It smells like sodium. You know this... Wait, hold on. Listen to this. That's cheese. This is kind of flaccid. Cheers. Mmm. I mean, it's better than a majority of other MREs. It tastes just like Play-Doh. Yeah, it's like they took a, like a giant loaf of bread and compressed it. No, it's legitimately Play-Doh. I'd be really happy eating this in the field. It's not bad. What about you? It's a little dry. Well, we're not talking about, like, homemade pizza here. We're well, talking about something that just came out of a plastic that's container. That's true. That's true. 
And I'm trying to get rid of the dad bot. This is not going to help. No, it's definitely not going to help because that is like straight up doughy yeah. cellulite right mm. there. It's got a weird aftertaste, but that's probably just all the preservatives. Pasteurized processed mozzarella cheese product. Yeah, flashbacks to Sergeant Tucker telling me to eat faster. I'm like, you, you eat that pizza, son! You eat it now! Right. School pizza's better. School pizza's way better. I'm not saying I would go out of my way to eat this on a daily basis, but... Oh, I bit into one of those pepperonis and, like, my tooth kind of, like, went along the rubbery They're a little texture. crunchy. Really? I don't get the crunch. I get the... The... The Play-Doh. Yeah, you know? that can see, there's a little bit of a clay consistency. Definitely a clay consistency. It doesn't really have much taste. That's the thing that I'm kind of disappointed about. Yeah, it's straight up bread. It's just doughy bread. On the scale of MREs, this is not bad. I'm not disappointed. I figure with it being pizza, me not really liking pizza, it's not, it's not as awful as I thought it was going to be. What I want, this MRE over everything else? Um, no. I, I still would take a Chili Mac, uh, just because it has amazing snacks in it, too. I don't know what all comes in the pizza one, but this is definitely up there as far as the main meals go. The Murray's, this is not too horrible. But, you know, I've just been out in the field all day, like, you'll eat whatever. Are you kidding me? I've been in the office all morning, and I'm hungry for lunch, and I'm killing this thing. I don't even like the way it tastes. I'm starving. Let's mm. do right now. Being in the desert fighting a war, I'm hungry now, bitches. <laughs> Alright guys, what MREs do you want to see us try next? Let us know in the comments and don't forget to head over to Rated Red's YouTube channel and hit subscribe. And also, a huge thank you to all current service members and former service members. I'm Abby Casey. I'm Jason Hanna. I'm Paxton Elrod. And I'm Dave Woodruff. I'm Ashley Taylor. And thanks for having me y'all. I'm Blake Hogan and that was one damn good piece of pizza. Well, I searched for it, I couldn't find it, and Matt, my bro in Oregon, found it. That is a review of the new MRE pizza, which can't wait to get my hands on that. Gotta be good, gotta be good. A new push to recruit and retain the best candidates for the infantry. This is from Military Times. Member of a task force focused on grunts and special operations troops are finding ways to make infantry a top choice and not a last resort for entry-level recruits. To that end, they have visited the Israeli Defense Force, the 75th Range Regiment, the Army Major Combat Training Centers, the Army Infantry School, and the Marine Corps Combined Arms Training Center to find the best practices for finding, recruiting, retaining, and training a transformed light infantry. Army Sergeant Major Jason Wilson, the senior enlisted advisor to the Close Combat Lethality Task Force, briefed media at the Pentagon this week on some of the early initiatives of the task force since it was formed in March. Wilson, a career infantryman, broke down how the task force is bringing ideas, equipment, and analysis to SecDev, the task force creator, to make the infantry more lethal and able to overmatch any pacing threats and might soon face. While details were scant in the briefing, Wilson did highlight the evaluation the teams have done as a first step towards presenting some of the first major changes to how the Army, Marine Corps, and Special Operations Command build the fighting force that does close-in killing and disproportionately suffers the greatest losses in combat. We want to get away from our close combat forces being the place where soldiers that don't meet the criteria to be an intel analyst or whatever and then get sent to the infantry. To that aim, they want to identify troops earlier in their military career and see if they have a potential to be in the infantry. And it goes beyond ASVAB and physical fitness scores. Do they have the resilience and the mental capacity to handle some of the things they may see in the infantry, be able to overcome the adversity and bounce back? 
And once they've got the best candidates, they must train them realistically and keep them in the close combat ranks. On that front, the task force is looking to advance gaming technology and combined area of live, virtual, and constructed and synthetic capabilities. The goal is for soldiers, marines, and special operators to first be able to run through combat scenarios and virtual environments from anywhere, whether at home station, aboard a ship, or in other training areas. That will expand to include the ability to combine synthetic environments with real-world training. And this effort goes beyond training for a handful of soldiers. The goal is to have an entire brigade combat team linked in the virtual world to conduct a training exercise, Wilson said. Yeah, that's a fucking phenomenal idea, and it's long overdue. I joined the infantry not because I had low ASVAB. I could have been pretty much anything at that time. I think I had a 115, but it was a two-year. You could come in for two years, get college, and get the fuck out. And that's what my plan was until I met this really hot chick and got married, and then it became a calling, and I loved the damn thing, and I stayed in for 20 years. But infantry turns into be, you're not intelligent, or I wanted to be a diesel mechanic, but there weren't any slots, so my career told me go in the infantry for a couple of years and re-enlist for it, which is a lie. You're never getting over there. But um, that's the only military course story I want to do. There's a bunch of new stuff about some more people getting medals of honors and et cetera, et cetera. Going to do that on the next show because I have a soundbite. I'm going to start college crazy with a soundbite. Woohoo! And it's UCLA. Somebody asked them, how high should the minimum wage be? And as you can tell, the liberal ideology is crazy. What's up, guys? This is Will Witt from PragerU. Today we are at UCLA, beautiful campus here, talking to students about the minimum wage and whether it's a good idea or not. How high do you think the minimum wage should be? Um, well, definitely a lot higher than what it is right now. I mean, I'd probably say the highest is maybe 20, high, absolute highest. How high should the minimum wage in California be? Hmm, that's a good question. Maybe like $25? I mean, uh, that's pretty high, no? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking more like 35 35 I would agree with that. What about 45? Where do you draw the line? That's the question, huh? For, I'd go with 45, too. I'd agree with that. I mean, I come from New Jersey. The minimum wage was like $8.37. Then wait, waitress minimum wage is $2.30, so it's a lot lower, and it sucks. So I definitely think higher minimum wage is good. How high should the minimum wage be? Man, I think, man, these people work hard in the United States. I think they need to get, I think, man, everything $15 up. If they're working at McDonald's, Rod A's, anything, make it $15 up. You know what I'm saying? They're paying taxes anyway. You know, about $20 up. You know what? I think so. 25 You know what? I said 25 because these people get up every day taking chances too. What number would you say to raise the minimum wage to? I think like maybe 17 17 25 something like that. I'm about 30 30, 30 sounds good, you know? I mean, I worked at a job. When they raised it to 11 at my, my old job, they cut everyone's hours. Like, when it, Then why are you saying we should raise the minimum wage then? That doesn't sound like a good idea at all. I don't know. If they're paying people a lot more for, for wages, they'd have to then fire people to keep their profits the same. I don't think so. I, that, that's, 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 that's then they'd be paying people a lot more and not making as much money. That's, that's, that's just not the big excuses. If I were to say that the data shows that raising the minimum wage actually raises prices and lowers, um, makes the economy worse, would that change your mind at all? Of course, definitely. Have you seen what happened in Seattle? Mm, no. 
raised the minimum wage there to fifteen dollars an hour, and it didn't didn't go so well. Do you think everyone should get paid the same, even if like they're not good workers? Like you and I are, you're really good at your job, and I'm not, and then we both get paid the same minimum wage. Is that fair? Well, I think I think on like a moral level, it's not fair for that person to be slacking off. But I think that there should still be the same base for everybody because that's just what the job is. Do you think if you're a really good employee and I suck as an employee, we should both get the same minimum wage, both working the same job, but you work it well and I don't? Is that fair? No, I mean, I guess that's not fair. But, yeah, I mean, I think that also if I'm working much if I'm working better, then I should be able to get a better position at what I'm doing. But yeah, if we're if we're doing the same shit and you're getting paid the same amount, then that seems kind of silly, especially for the business, because they're wasting their own resources on you, who is just losing them money. And that's what a minimum wage is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, for the people that don't understand, somebody has to pay for it. But you know, hey. It goes in line with our first college crazy. These are the people that think everybody should be able to poop together. Where the most important thing is transgender rights in a fucking bathroom. Not for cops. UC Berkeley asked police not to use bathrooms so as to avoid triggering students. Recently released communication between the University of California Berkeley officials and a security patrol officer reveals that Berkeley demanded cops and other law enforcement officials use off-campus bathrooms during protests to avoid triggering students. The College Fix reports that the exchange obtained by Young American Foundation shows a 25-year law enforcement veteran complaining to Berkeley Chancellor Carol Christ, or Christ that he and his fellow officers had never been treated with such disrespect and disregard as they were during Berkeley's free speech week. Security officers allegedly asked to enter and exit buildings through stairwells, a concession they were happy to make in light of the crowd of people protesting the free speech week events, but were also ordered not to use any restrooms as it was upsetting some students. The fix notes that it's not clear who ordered the officers to use off-campus bathrooms, but the officer in question appears to believe the request came from Berkeley higher-ups, and he's not happy about it. How can we foster a sense of community policing when the campus community that we work hard to protect has such disdain for us as fellow human beings that would deny us such a basic human function, the officer says in a letter. If we treated a member of the campus community in this way, we would most certainly be held accountable, and rightly so. The officer then reportedly referred to a speech on inclusion given earlier in the week, noting Berkeley's inability to fully reject hatred. We have done nothing to warrant the dehumanizing and bullying behavior that we and our partner agencies experienced this week. We simply tried our best to protect the students, faculty, and staff, as we do on a daily basis, from any possible harm, the officer wrote. Berkeley is still struggling with the fallout from last year's protest, which on occasion turned violent. What does that say about you? You freak out because dudes in dresses who aren't trans but are pervs lose their human dignity because you won't let them take a dump where they want to. But a police officer who's protecting you, oh, fuck him. He needs to go shit in a bag. Jesus fucking Christ, you people are fucked up. Student school covered up professor who shot himself to protest Trump. 
That sums up the resistance. A student at the College of Southern Nevada says the school covered up the fact that last week, a professor shot himself in the arm to protest Trump. He said the school did not offer counseling services to students who saw the professor walk out of the bathroom bleeding. Students said the school has been quiet about the incident. Authorities were called to College of Southern Nevada on August 28th, and several students and faculty saw Professor Ametrius Mark Bird. If you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. Stumbling out of the bathroom, bleeding. According to police report, Bird said he shot himself in the arm to protest Trump. Hmm. This is a new norm now, where they go into a walk into a bathroom and plug themselves, and then the school is going to sweep it under the rug. That's a good question. Hmm. Bird, who has been working for the school since 1993, taped a $100 bill to the mirror before carrying out his protest. The bill was left as a tip for the janitor, who were left to clean up the bloody mess. The school completely covered it up, Longley added, that the school never released a statement. I was never addressed by any of my professors. It was completely swept under the rug as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. After being treated for his life-threatening injury, 69-year-old Bird was arrested and charged with discharging a gun with a prohibited structure or gun-free zone, carrying a sealed weapon without a permit, and possessing a dangerous weapon on school property. It just sums up liberal ideology. How much of a fucking hypocrite do you have to be? I guarantee that motherfucker said, nobody needs a gun in America. We need to go full Aussie, except when I need to shoot myself and protest to Trump. And how fucking crazy do you have to be to shoot yourself because the president's not the one you picked? Seriously, think that out for a second. How fucked in the head have you become? What the fuck? Exclusive. Cornell tells students if they are privileged or oppressed. And this starts on day fucking one, my friends, in their welcome packets. Campus Reform obtained a copy of the document from a concerned student who felt the content was inappropriate. The sheet outlined social issues and designates certain demographics as privileged or oppressed in the U.S. context. The 15-category range from gender identity to marital, parental status, educational English, educational level, excuse me, and use of English. If you speak accented English, you are marginalized or oppressed compared to proper English. Oh, really? Over the course of three weeks, Campus Reform gave Cornell University multiple opportunities to confirm or deny the packet was distributed. University spokesman John Carberry, Carberry, whatever the fuck, eventually responded to Campus Reform on Wednesday, but did not deny the student account, saying that Cornell will not be participating or commenting on the issue. According to the document, if you speak accented, I already read it. Uh, If your parents are married or in a heterosexual relationship, you are privileged. While divorced, LGBTQ parent, domestic partnership, and single parent are oppressed. So you want to hear the whole list that gets the kids to already think they're a victim? Sure you do. And here it is. Gender, men, your privilege. Women, trans, genderqueer, or intersex, you're oppressed. Gender identity. Cisgender non-trans, you are fucking privileged. Transgender, genderqueer, a list of 75 other fucking things, you're oppressed. Race, white, privileged, everybody else, oppressed. 
sexual orientation, heterosexual, you're privileged, everybody else isn't, age, 30s to early 50s, you are fucking privileged, younger and older people, you're oppressed, so basically, I'm going to be 51 this year, so once I hit 56, I'm oppressed, woohoo, um, if you have a college education, you're privileged, if you don't, you're oppressed, yeah, that's education level, religion, Christian, Protestant, or Catholic, you're privileged. Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, Sikh, pagan, atheist, Angus. What the fuck is Angus? It's like people, like, they like, oh, agnostic, I'm sorry. There's a logo over it. I thought it was just Angus. You know, you never know nowadays. They, they fucking worship cows. I mean, who the fuck knows? By the way, on this one, the only oppressed religion in America right now is Christianity, because you can't be a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're evil, and this paper just proved my fucking point. Because I believe in Jesus and God, I am a privileged person. Oh, really? Nationality, U.S. born or U.S. citizen, you're privileged. Born outside the U.S. or an immigrant, you're oppressed. Childhood family structure raised by biological or adoptive family is in an environment that felt safe and... And I don't know what the rest of it is because the logo's over it. Raised in a foster system. Raised with domestic violence, with drug or alcohol abuse in the home and or other home experience that felt unsafe. You are oppressed. Temporary... Able-bodied, you are privileged. People with physical, mental, emotional, or learning disabilities, you're oppressed. Ethnicity, Western European, privilege. Puerto Rican, uh, Dina, Mexican, Nigerian, Jewish, Russian, Chinese, Iranian, etc. You're all oppressed. Size, slender, perceived as attractive, handsome, beautiful people, you're privileged. Of size, particularly tall or short, perceived as unattractive, etc. You're oppressed. So I'm a fat person. I'm oppressed. Woo! Uh, use of English. We already covered it. Marital or parental. Married in a heterosexual relationship with a, without children. You're privileged. Divorced. LGBT parent. Uh, democratic, uh, democratic domestic partnership. Single parent. are all oppressed. And this is day one. Day one. They're handed their crutch. Here's your crutch. You get a protest. All you white motherfuckers that actually had two parents that loved you, you're pieces of shit. Go fuck yourself. Okay. That, that just doesn't even remotely surprise me. But this one did, because every week we're coming up with a new classification of some kind of fucking syndrome that you need to walk around and bitch about. Well, now it's kinky people. Scholar. Kinky people should be a protected class. Did, did I just misread? No, I didn't, friends. UC Santa Cruz researcher argued that a protected class should be established for kinky people. He said that while if you show up at your job in a latex cat suit, you can be fired for that, employers should not be able to terminate employment based on a similar picture that appears online. The researcher compared the belief that kinky people will sexually assault children to the belief that gay people will abuse children. Your boss should not be able to go search online, find photos of you somewhere wearing latex catsuit, and then fire you because they think you're a pervert. 
Hughes referenced a valiant study he conducted, which he claims reveals that members of the kink community were terrified about losing their jobs because they're a bunch of fucking freaks. <laughs> that's not what he said. He didn't say that at all. I think that's a complicated issue answered. I think that's probably going to require some sort of conversation at a legal level that might be firing them for political affiliation rather than for kink. Okay, what about like a slave play, Leonard asked. Like someone finds a picture like at a party where they're dressed up like a slave master. Could they argue that this is my sexual fetish? Hughes then conceded that such a situation would depend upon the job. Yeah. Here's the reality. If you're a school teacher and you're out there in your cat suit with a fucking pair of chaps over it with your exposed anus, you're probably going to get fired. And that's not because they're infringing on your sexual fantasies. Your sexual fantasies should not infringe on your fucking job. Why can't people do... You know, these are the people that say, why don't you just let me, leave me alone in my bedroom? Well, goddamn, you're putting your bedroom out in the street. Yeah. Then we had another one of these. Second Amendment hating drag kid claims critics are sad adults. Hmm. Sad adults. Pubescent drag star Desmond is amazing. Has been hitting back at conservatives meeting for being criticized as stiletto heel foray into the gun control debate. Reassured fans, despite all the bad-mouthing, he has no fear or shame in subverting Second Amendment rights the same way he subverts decency and wants all those who targeted him to know they are such sad bunch of grown-ups. It was weird and irresponsible enough that Desmond's parents have con- consented to letting him be raised by the overly sexual and gender-bending creature who inhabits drag culture, but Desmond's cross-dressing foray into contemporary gun politics just reeks of using an innocent child for the sake of political fucking expediency, which they seem to do all the time with their, my five-year-old just said Trump's so bad and he's scared to go to school. Yeah, okay. So Red State pointed out that after Desmond and his drag baby Gap Entourage posted photos online of their time at a gun control rally sporting anti-gun themed drag apparel, one of the fiercest shots of the young fashion mogul was him striking a pose with an old creepy black gas mask. Desmond is amazing, tweeted, that's his fucking name, back to school fashion show protest to show how ridiculous our level of gun violence is with back to school fashion reflecting our culture. Never again, gaze against guns. Fucking kids like eight. Hmm. I had to break up two articles. So I put that one in there, and now I wish I wouldn't have, because I just want to go find his parents and beat them into submission. I don't care if I go to jail. What the fuck is wrong with you letting your kid act like that? They don't even know what the fuck's going on, and you're letting them run around and drag. Really? Because our next one? Yeah. Everybody's got to have a fucking grievance. Everybody needs to be protected somehow instead of just sucking it up and living with life the way it is. The word stoner is offensive, says the marijuana industry. Forget stoner. Oh, really? A day will come when people have to issue trigger warnings for anyone in the vicinity of the word stoner. Should the marijuana industry succeed in striking it from the American lexicon? According to the San Diego Union Tribune, a recent billboard campaign from the cannabis company MedMen has spent $2 million to remind the public that pot smokers come from all walks of life and have feelings too. Are they stoners? No, says the ad, which is the words crossed out replaced by more dignified titles, cop, nurse, teacher, scientist, or just a few examples of places that you can't smoke pot and go to work. So shut the fuck up. 
Photos of a white-haired grandmother, schoolteacher, CEO, pro athlete, and a nurse are being splashed across billboards in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and New York. Each photo has the word stoner crossed out. It is fucking stupid. Marijuana still carries a stigma that surfaces with the use of old slang like pot and weed. The Anchorage Daily News reported back in January. For many, the word evokes an image of lazy, not-so-bright people who puff their lives away. The industry wishes people would start using the more scientific-minded name, cannabis. The image deeply bothers the marijuana industry, which is telling the public, sometimes gently, sometimes currently, that they should use the word cannabis. ADN continued, that's the scientific name for the plant from which marijuana is derived. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll get right on it, you fucking stoners. The backlash against pumpkin spice flavor is racist. Was that what you're thinking? No, not this time. It's totally sexist. You hate pumpkin spice? Because you hate women. Yeah, this is really true. Is Oh, Jesus. Do you hate pumpkin spice latte? Do you live in fear of the first day of autumn when normal average looking big box retail stores and coffee shops become full-time pumpkin spice purveyors? Well, then according to one writer at Vox, you might just hate women. The backlash against pumpkin spice, which flavors everything from coffee drinks to dog treats to deodorant, started around the middle of August, in part anti-capitalist Rebecca Jennings acknowledged, but it's mostly about our contempt for women, coded into dismissal of trends that are coded as feminine. Feminine? Dog treats. How is that feminine? Anyway, Jennings quotes an article for 2017 that claims when those foods blow up, we judge women for falling for the marketing or trying to jump on the bandwagon, and we assume that because they like something other women like, they don't have minds of their own. And on top of that, women are asked to reckon with consciously or unconsciously the perceived psychosexual symbolism attached to seemingly innocuous food. Wow. We used a thesaurus, and we think we're cool. Refinery29 encouraged women to reclaim the pumpkin spice latte so as to defeat the sexist stereotype linking them reinforces. It's a beverage that has come to symbolize all that is supposedly reprehensible about my young white female demographic, Kate Munro Wines. It's a stupid, silly stigma, and one deeply rooted in sexist double standards, and yet somehow it continues to plague me. This general sense of disregard for palates of women channeled through the PSL has even begun to besmirch the fine season of autumn just by sheer, sheer association. Yeah! Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Anyway, as illogical it seems that pumpkin spice hatred is sexist, is also apparently factually inaccurate. According to Market Watch, men are equally consumers of PSL, and they actually prefer it to a regular latte. Nearly half, 45% of pumpkin spice latte buyers, are men. But just one-third, 34 a plain latte buyers are men, according to data supplied by Marcus Watch. The backlash Marcus Watch suggests could be more easily traced to the latte's creeping introduction date. This year, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts began selling pumpkin spice in August rather than September. It also could be the pumpkin spice lattes are just fucking gross, and that pumpkin spice flavor really isn't pumpkin at all, but a terrifying chemical concoction that barely approximates a squash says this article, but I could say it's because it's like friends, you fad-chasing fuckheads. How much pumpkin spice do we really need? We already talked about brats on this show. Brats! 
But to literally say it's sexist, really. So everything, everything women like, I can't have a statement on. That's what you're saying, right? Well, I'm going to go against you on this one because I got another article that's sexist. There is a sexy handmade Halloween costume and feminists are particularly unenthusiastic about it. No cultural phenomenon is safe from being turned into a sexy Halloween costume, but feminists and apparently hope that the Handmaid's Tale, the dystopian novel turned metaphor for a future Mike Pence administration, might be serious and relevant through the escape adaptation. They were wrong, thank heavens. Yandy.com, which markets a number of outrageous sexy Halloween costumes, has introduced introduced the Brave Red Maiden costume, a take on the Handmaiden's cloak, now a staple of both subscription television and feminist protest culture, with a split up the side of the cloak that goes clear up to the model's armpit. I am telling you, it's wicked hot. It's like a mini dress, and you see inner thigh, and she wears a little cape, and I told my wife, get on it. We were going to dress up as monsters this year. You're going to be the handmaid, and I'm going to be the oppressor. Yeah, a little role play. What do you think? <laughs> it's a hot outfit. Of all the sexy costumes, which I, you know, you go to Spirit or you go to fucking Halloween Express. There's just whore outfits, really. It's like stripple apparel. That's all it is. Um, this one, yeah. Tony's digging it. Anyway, you can tell they probably got pissed off. CBS is considering a miniseries based on James Comey's memoir, I'm Not Reading Another Thing. That is so Hollywood. That's just so Hollywood. We had Madam President. We had all these shows with females and black presidents to push the envelope and say America sucks and we haven't voted for one. But nobody ran, so I don't know how we're supposed to vote for it. And now they're going to do James Comey. The Resistance will watch for one episode and just like all the gay documentaries they've been doing nobody will watch so have fun with that one okay we're not we're not sure how serious to take this tweet from friday which comes to us from huffpo women and politics reporter laura bassett so we're assuming this gesture of allyship went down in huffpo's office laura bassett tweets the men in our office are letting women throw things at them and I'm honestly touched by the gesture. Maxwell Strachan just offered to let me dunk his head in the toilet today. Is the best day of my life. Yeah. Andy Zeister. You know the meaning of ally. Talia Lapson. This is what allyship looks like. Solidarity comes in many forms. Dudes, take note. Queen of imaginary island. I don't want to work anywhere like this ever. And my wife said, if I was in a place, I'd call them all a bunch of pussies. And I agree with that. So I guess that's how far the extremism of the feminist movement is. You're supposed to do physical harm to men. Just because. Not because they did anything. Just because. And that translates into Kavanaugh completely. Has nothing to do with that he did anything wrong. It's just all about men are bad. Then we got a Ben and Jerry update, and you know these idiots are going to be fucking stupid. Ben and Jerry of overpriced ice cream fame are Bernie bros and flaming progressive liberals, but of course you knew that. Ben Cohen had his eye on the midterms, and on Friday he asked for help coming up with names for seven new ice cream flavors to represent 7-Up and coming progressives running for Congress. 
Ben Cohen. Yo, Internet, we need your help to come up with seven amazing flavors for seven amazing up-and-coming progressives who could be headed to Congress in November to sweeten the deal. Jerry and I will personally make a small batch of each of the winning flavors. And they listed it on moveon.org. That's why I never buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream. This article says Democrat flavors, no clue. Well, a lot of people have clues. And I should have put this in the lighter fare because it's some funny shit. But I'm sure it'll cost twice as much as only be half full. How about Maxine harassment available at restaurants, gasoline stations, and department stores? <laughs> This one is cutting. Benghazi Berry Trader Truffle Dead Vet Velvet Cake. Yeah, that's a lefty. Snowflakes Chip. Yeah, that's a good one. Snowflake Sunday. Identify as pie. <laughs> Believe all walnuts. Socialist s'mores without the marshmallows and chocolates because you have to give them to someone who didn't earn them. <laughs> Chocolate pay for my home and healthcare chip. <laughs> Open borders and cream. Pedo fudge. End of the America own dream. Anti-Semitic crunch. Man-hating maple. That's a good one. Half-baked ideas. New York super socialism chunk. Everything but the freedom. Hillary Z. This one's good. Liberal Tears Vanilla with slivers of almond. (laughs) And then one guy closes it out with eight. Asparagus Marcus Mocha, Chunky Gulag Swirl, Amaretto Alinsky Mint. That's a good one. Gorilla Vanilla Chavez, Equality Toffee Coffee, Collective Caramel Delight, Allocated Apple Walnut, and Venezuelan Truffle Crunch. That just... Yes! Fucking people. And those seven are part of our tea party, my friends. Beyonce's former drummer claims singer molested her with dark magic and extreme witchcraft. Oh, yes. That's an article. Not going to read it, but I was like... Holy fucking shit. That doesn't surprise me. She looks like a witch. She scares me. She just scares me. Huge 100 foot spider web appears overnight on a beach in Greece. These things, this freaked my fucking wife out. I showed her. But they're huge spiders and they go there to mate. And I'm telling you, a thousand foot of beach was just one big spider web. As they did it. So... And let me see. I think this is last. This is our last article. And my wife literally just fucking clubbed me with this one because I'm horrible for this. All right. I'm horrible. I never wash the fruit and the vegetables. I know you're supposed to, but they always wash it. And I'm in a hurry. Unless I'm making something for her. I I just don't. But I think I will. Man arrested for rubbing produce on his ass at supermarket says it was a YouTube prank. A man accused of rubbing produce on his buttocks at a grocery store in Northern Virginia was arrested Saturday. The Manassas City Police Department said the suspect pulled his pants down, grabbed a nearby item, and rubbed his buttocks with the produce at the giant grocery store at 10100 Dumfries Road. 
a loss prevention employee, relayed, relayed what they had seen to authorities and subsequently destroyed multiple pallets of produce. Michael Dwayne Johnson, not related to The Rock, 27 of Manassas, told WJLA's Tim Barber in an exclusive interview that he never actually rubbed any produce on his bottom. He also says he never pulled down his pants. Johnson claims it was just a prodigal joke for YouTube. Joke or no joke, store employees felt forced to destroy several pallets of fruits and vegetables, so Johnson is charged with destruction of property and indecent exposure. Johnson is hopeful prosecutors will realize the case is just a big misunderstanding. His next court appearance is November, and that's fucking disgusting. Joke or not, I don't want my squash on your yam, pal. Not cool. Not cool at all. So as we go out... To our lighter fare, which is football-oriented today. This is a Senator Hirono. She's a senator. But this is how crazy the left is. And by the way, during this, you men out there, just shut the fuck up. it helps that there are women on that committee but you know what i expect the men in this country and the men in this committee and many of them believe me because we all signed on to this letter to uh, demand an fbi investigation but really guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of actions it's the men in this country and i just want to say to the men in this country just shut up and step up do the right thing for a change okay you can see i'm a little Upset by this, you know, the unfairness of it, but you have a second question. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. Yeah, you know you've gone off the fucking deep end when that's what you say. Nobody should have opinion but me. But that just mirrors the entire Democratic platform. Nobody should have an opinion. Just them. They are right. Everybody else needs to shut up. There's no reason to ever speak. Just shut the fuck up. Gar. And I stop. Let's move on to our lighter fare. Lighter fare is me gnashing teeth about football this weekend. First... My Ducks, who are shocked in overtime, 38-31. to Now, I'm going to be honest. When Oregon went into this game with Stanford, the way they had played the last three games, um, i got to be honest. I didn't think they were even going to hang with Stanford. I knew Stanford wasn't that great, but I didn't think they'd actually do well because they just hadn't been playing that well. Up until the end of the third quarter, I was astounded with the play of that team. And I want to say before I start bitching and moaning, if that is what the new coach is going to do with the Oregon Ducks, then go with it. You know, as long as it takes to get going. That was some great physical football. They were controlling the line of scrimmage. The defensive line was nasty. Love was held in check. And all day he was. He only got like 87 yards. But that was some good football. But then we started making some stupid mistakes. It it reminds me of the Packers a lot. 
um, when <clears throat> it's the opposite, I guess. The Packers, when they have a lead, if you go back to the NFC Championship game with the freaking Chicken Hawks and we fucking lost it. We went too conservative. With the Ducks, they never go conservative. They, they have this thing that they can't go to conservative. And they end up shooting themselves in the foot. After the first bad snap, they should have just... Get the field goal. If you get the field goal, you're up 27-7. to 7, And up until that point, they've been controlling Stanford really well. Well, instead of doing that, we snap it over the head, touchdown, touchdown, another fumble with 50 seconds left instead of being, now granted, he's a, he's a red shirt freshman, okay? He's a young player, and I remember Dat, DeAnthony Thomas, against LSU, he gave up like two field, you know fumbles, ended up playing in the fucking NFL. Um, but he stretches out, loses the ball, when we should have just been killing the clock. Take a goddamn knee. You would have punted it, but there would have been 10 seconds left. And you could have at least bled the clock. In the coach's mind, he says, well, I'm just going for a freaking first down and then the game's over. Yeah, I got that. But you've already had some fumbleitis going on. The momentum in that game and bad luck, the ball started bouncing away from you. Be smart. And it ends up costing us. Um, sure, the quarterback had a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I mean, Herbert, 25 of 27 for 331 yards. And then he throws an interception in, in fucking overtime. But that that was just a frustrating duck game. Um, it's who we are. Granted, I, I can't be incredibly depressed when I didn't even think we'd be in the game. But that's the kind of stuff the Ducks do to you. And it reminded me a lot of the Alamo Bowl um, just two years ago. And then the Las Vegas Bowl last year. Every big game, when it's time to prove yourself, the Oregon Ducks can't do it. I don't know if it's a mental mind block. I don't know what it is. But the only big game that I remember us pulling off in a long time was when we whipped Florida State. And then we went and got our asses handed to us by fucking Ohio State. Um, I, it just just hurt my soul. Then my Packers led, just took a dump yesterday. <clears throat> so I'm not even going to talk about it because it's just fucking pathetic how they've been playing this year. And I knew it was going to happen. It's offensive line problems. And you let Jordy go. And now... Devontae, who's awesome, is the number one, and he's just not producing because he's the number one. He wasn't going against number ones. Now he is, and he's having a hard time of it. But the Clay Matthews stuff is out of control. Now, a lot of people might not be into football, but you've had to have seen this on social media. Clay Matthews does the textbook tackle. I mean, you can't teach it better. It is a textbook tackle of a quarterback. And as he's falling down, he falls on the quarterback and rolls away. He didn't pick him up and throw him. He didn't do anything you could remotely say why they gave him a flag a week ago that let Minnesota tie the game because we intercepted the ball. He didn't do that. And as Jordan Heck, I found, this is roughing the passer apparently. 
Clay Matthews is no longer allowed to sack QBs. Another person. This is an absolute joke, NFL. Youth football players, there's no future for you to, in defense. Rules are made by owners who really don't care about player safety but protecting their million-dollar QB investments. I strongly recommend playing offense, is what he says. Another person. The NFL's a fucking joke. The NFL's a fucking joke. It's another person. These roughing the quarterback calls are a fucking joke. Fucking joke. Fucking joke. With fuck and joke and NFL a million times. I don't, you know, granted, people will say, hey, it's your quarterback, Tony. That's the reason why these rules came out. You're right. Aaron Rodgers gets dumped by Anthony Barr, breaks his fucking collarbone. The NFL doesn't like that. Uh, People come to the game not to see Clay Matthews. They come to see Aaron Rodgers do his magic. But, dude, I don't know how you tackle a quarterback. If you tackle too low, that's a flag because you hit the knee, and that's the Brady rule. Uh, You hit him up top, uh, that's targeting. If you do this, you do that. And you watch the video. For those that aren't football, search Clay Matthews, Washington Redskins. You're going to see a hit, and you're going to go, well, wow. That, That wasn't bad. That wasn't even mean. But he got flagged, and he's probably going to get fined. Because then he went out and he said this. You know, a lot of shock, uh, another hit, roughing the passer penalty, just your reaction. Yeah, well, obviously I don't agree with it again. Um, you know, whereas last week I thought I did it, you know, did it hit, it hit the quarterback correctly. Um, head was to the game, wrapped him up. Um, and, and you see as soon as I hit the ground, you see me try and pull my hands out. Um, you, you know, obviously when you're tackling a guy from the front, you're going to land on him. You know, I, I don't. I understand the spirit of the rule. I said that, uh, you know, weeks prior. But um, when you have it like that, that's a football play. You know, I even I even went up to Alex Smith after the game, asked him, you know, what, what do you think? You know, what can I do different? Because that's a football play. Um, of course, you know, like I said last week, the NFL's gonna come back, so I put my you know, body on him. You know, but football play. I hit I hit him from the front, got my head across, wrap. I've never heard of anybody tackling somebody without any hand. Um, when he gives himself up, as soon as you hit him, body weight's going to go on him. But, uh, you know, I think we're looking for the hits, you know, that, that uh, you know, that took Aaron out last, you know, that little extra. If I wanted to hurt him, I could have put, you know, some extra on him. But, you know, that's football. So, I don't know. I really don't know. I, unfortunately, this league's going in a direction I think a lot of people don't like. Um, you know, I think they're getting soft. And the thing hard about this league is the fines that they levy down on guys like me to game hard. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to keep playing hard. You know, maybe you know, maybe now pass rushers, guys, quarterback, you just have to attack the ball, which is you – know, I've been playing this game for over 20 years. That's how you tackle. So, we'll see. I mean, you know, something's got to change because, you know, the league's not. And, and these are big plays. I said last week, these are big plays. So – you know, I, I, you know, I try to change from last week, and uh, still get the flag. So, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Clay, right what after, say, right after the call, say? what did Alex, Alex say when you guys? No, started? He, he just said, you know, you're probably gonna have to start going after the. I don't think he thought anything was wrong with the hit. You know, it wasn't like he was coming to my defense, but at the same time, you know, I think he's, you know, I think he kind of sees where this thing's going. You just gotta go. After- I bitched about it on the show. You know, I understand it's a product. They're trying to protect their quarterbacks. I, I, I got it, but Matthews is right. 
Both his tackles were not malicious. Both his tackles were not evil. They were tackles. Helmet was on the shoulder in this one. Helmet was to the side on the other one. If you want to fix your product, renegotiate your collective bargaining agreement because you've turned your fucking players into pussies. We're in week three. There's so many injuries already. They don't hit anymore. They're not prepped. They don't do two-a-days. They don't do three-a-days. They basically are a bunch of prima donnas. And you can get away with that in basketball and all the other sports, but this is a physical sport. There's going to be injuries. Part of the game. But when you're not prepared for hits, this is what you get. You get your injuries. You get people fucked up because they haven't been hit. They're not prepared for it. They're not ready for it. They're used to just doing no pads, helmet, walkthroughs, and then they get rocked. And, you know, it's like wrestling. Part of wrestling is learning how to fall, being thrown. So you know how to fall, how to lay down, don't get fucking hurt. You don't do that in football anymore. And that's why you have a fucked up product with everybody getting fucking injured every two point three seconds and nobody wanting to go to the stadium anymore. I mean, seriously, it's a goddamn joke. I mean, if I wanted to watch non-contact football, I'd tune into some of the bullshit flag football shit I see on ESPN, the Yocho. So, I mean, if they're not protesting flags, doing social justice shit, they're destroying their brand with this new style of football where quarterbacks are wearing the red jersey during a game, for Christ's sake. And it reinforces, if I was going to be a progressive at 2.3 seconds, Cam Newton don't get all these flags because he's a running quarterback. You can knock the snot out of him, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick. You can put them in a, you can put them in the hospital. Nobody gave a fuck because it was a different rule. They were running so they could be hit. But now you even brush a guy when he slides. Holy shit. That's a flag. When it's all about momentum, there's just sometimes guys can't hold up. Quarterback slides the last second. And in the case of Matthews, to get back on topic, if I'm hitting somebody and they're falling down, I'm going with them because I'm holding them. So what the fuck do I do? He's right. The only way to do it from now on is go for the ball. Snag the bean. Don't even tackle them. It's freaking depressing. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about the track by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry. And Stitcher. Remember, check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Foppodcast.com. See links to feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you see a link to every episode on the episode release page. And another on my blog page, because I suck. Next podcast could be 28th of September, year of our Lord, 2018. And I promise it'll be a little meatier than this one, because this is kind of a last minute, didn't really get it done, head hurt, rainy weekend at the freaking house where I was chilling. 
I hope you all have a fantastic week. If you're down south, stay cool because fall's here, which is going to be fantastic. If you're elsewhere in the country, be safe. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And tune in Friday for another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. As always, I thank you all for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Yeah.